This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me is, as always, is Ricky Weaver. What's up, what's up? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And Ricky absolutely just tortured the uh, first open. So I had to uh, follow it up by also fucking up our open. So go Bears. Uh, today on the Fast Break Podcast, we are ranking the coaches 1 through 30, the NBA coaches, that is. Uh, throughout the entire NBA, we got some first years, we got some long time guys uh should be fun we're gonna break it up into segments like we always do 21 through 30 11 through 20 and then 1 through 10 next week will be our final team rankings and then after that we got our predictions it is going to be a ton of fun and on the 1 through 10 segment today we got our patron jake calling in to talk about our rankings as well so it should be a great time and before we get into all of that please check out patreon.com slash podcast if you want to be like jake and call into the podcast and give your thoughts on anything throughout the nba or whether it be chicago sports on super fans or whether it be nerd culture on rick and johnny or uh whether it be uh college football with uh with ricky on the primetime podcast check out patreon.com slash podcast on that gold tier you can help us out and be on a podcast at the ten dollars tier. What's up, Dave? You look before I just I, I can hear Ricky breathe into his microphone in my headphones, okay. and it is like murdering me uh, inside. Well, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't get picked up on the actual podcast. <laughs> Anyways, let's jump in. Twenty one through thirty. Deep breath, Ricky Widmer. Take us through your twenty one through thirty. Well, starting off at thirty is uh, the word. I originally had him higher because I'm like other coaches have not coached a game. But then I came to my senses. Uh, Scotty Brooks, worst coach in the NBA, right there at 30. Not far in front of him is 29, Frank Vogel. Then we've got new head coach Jailer Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. Then at 27, Ryan Saunders of the T-Wolves. Then Billy Donovan of the Thunder. James Borrego of the Hornets. Luke Walton of the Kings. Fizdale from the Knicks. Monty Williams of the Suns. And then because no matter where I have him, as long as it's not 30, he's way too high. Jim Boylan. The thumb. Oh, Jim Boylan, the yeah, thumb. Yeah, that's what Jake calls I, him. The Boylan the brother. He looks like a thumb. It's just like, because it's me and I'm a Bulls fan, you know, if Ricky has him anywhere above 30, that's way too high for Jim Boylan. So Pretty I much. know people are going to say I'm too high. I'm I saw the, a picture of uh, Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber. It's like mm-hmm. Jim Boylan with hair and it's absolutely accurate. <laughs> uh, so definitely check out the picture of uh, Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber and it looks exactly like Jim Boylan, probably 1990 smoking weed in a dorm room. <laughs> Dave, take us through 21 through 30. Sure thing. At number 30, I've got James Borrego, 29, David Fisdale, 28, Scotty Brooks, 27, Ryan Saunders, 26, Billy Donovan, 25, Jayla Jenkins, 24, Luke Walton, 23, The Thumb, 22, Frank Vogel, and 21, John Beeline. All right, my 21 through 30. At 30, I have the worst coach in the NBA, probably four years running, Scotty Brooks of the Washington Wizards. At 29, a guy that I wanted to be very low throughout our rankings, but we haven't been able to put him there because he's been going to the playoffs and stuff. But finally, my coworkers and my, my fellow podcasters are finally seeing the light of the day, Billy Donovan at 29. And 28, I have Frank Vogel of the Los Angeles Lakers. At 27, I have the massively overrated, apparently, Jim Boylan uh, at 27. At 26, I have Jailer Jenkins of the Jemphis Drizzlies. At 25, I have Ryan Saunders of the Minnesota Timberwolves. At 24, I have James Borrego of the Hornets. 23, I have David Fisdale of the Knicks. 
22, I have Luke Walton of the Kings now. At 21, I have John Beeline of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then our cumulative rankings, the true rankings, after all of our rankings were added up at 30, the worst coach in the NBA is Scotty Brooks. At 29, we have Billy Donovan of the Oklahoma City Thunder. At 28, Frank Vogel of the Los Angeles Lakers. 27, Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. 26, Ryan Saunders of the Minnesota Timberwolves. 25, James Borrego of the Charlotte Hornets. 24, David Fisdale of the Knicks. 23, Jim Boylan of the Bulls. 22, Luke Walton of the Kings. And 21, John Beeline. Let's start off with the new guys. Let's let's be nice first. Let's let's mm-hmm. start off with some of the new guys so we can well, get what's I was going to say before okay. we started. Historical, historical context here. Historical. This is the first time Scotty Brooks is at zero or at the last zero. number 30. Like <laughs> the worst zero. coach. Uh, 2016, it was Alvin Gentry. Then at uh, 2017, we had uh, Earl, Earl Watson. Watson. And then Ty Lue beat out Brooks by one point last year to be the worst coach. And it's pretty fair because Earl Watson that year got fired mm-hmm. three games in. Yep. Uh, and then by the way, Ty Lue last year also got fired like 10 games in. What's yep. up? 2017, you did have Nate McMillan as your worst coach. Oh, wow. And, Dave and, had Fred and, Hoiberg. Yeah, Shout out. I, was, I was right. <laughs> Shout um, out to welcome. the climb of Nate uh, McMillan. And then my guy Nate makes McMillan. the playoffs this year. Yep. Hey, hey, everybody's... I had Kenny Atkinson that year yeah. last year. Nice. Two McMillan, years ago. Atkinson. So is this just a prediction for you guys? <laughs> Scott Brooks will somehow drag this team into the playoffs? And here comes Fred Hoiberg. Where's Fred Hoiberg, Dave, who you had 30. I'm just correct. Year. Like, sue me. I'm hey, just Ricky had Kenny situation. Atkinson in 2016 at yeah, 30 yeah. as well. So, and you had Elvin Two Gentry, who we'll get to a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also have Elvin Gentry there as well. So, uh, shout out to the, to back. the guys. Anyways, um, let's start off with the new guys, guys that haven't been on the list before. Uh, Ryan Saunders took over last year uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves after Tom Thibodeau got fired. Uh, former son, or not former son, but son <laughs> of former Minnesota Timberwolves coach and uh, recently deceased coach, uh, coach and Flip Saunders. Uh, he took over for the Timberwolves. Very young kid. I think he's around 33. 34 and same with Taylor Jenkins he's in uh, his 30s as well uh, now taking over for an NBA team uh, pretty notable uh, G League coach as well won a couple championship championships down there which guy are you most excited to see work with his team is it the Jemphis Drizzlies and Taylor Jenkins or is it Ryan Saunders and what he can do with a full season with the Minnesota Timberwolves for me it's Ryan Saunders because like Taylor Jenkins I don't know what to expect because I I'm going to sound biased here, and I know we're going to get to the other guy in the next kind of section of coaches, but it's like, well, Ricky, you didn't say John Beeline's name in your 21 through 30. Why aren't you talking about him? He hasn't, like, this is the first time we're going to see him coach the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have more faith in a guy like Beeline than I do in a guy like Taylor Jenkins, whereas Saunders, I've seen him coach this team. And now that it's kind of... It's kind of like that teacher that comes in mid mid semester where it's like I, I can't get my bearings on my classroom. Now he's got the whole off season, set the team like he wants, the off season reg- regiment he wants, and can come into the season with a full head of steam. And he did have a lot of success uh, getting the best out of this team late in the year. I mean, you saw the usage go way up for Cat. He understands. Guess what? You know how you win basketball games? You give it to one of the most efficient shooting big men in NBA history. I don't know. Crazy idea, you guys. also maybe, give it to your star player. Maybe more shots for him, less shots for Andrew Wiggins. Big maybe no. that's a winning winning, winning uh, formula. Uh, I, I'm on the Jemphis Grizz, Jemphis Grizzlies, though. Like I, Jemphis Grizzlies. I know it's unproven, <laughs> but their entire team is unproven. Like mm-hmm. their, their hottest commodity is John Morant. They've got uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and those are the two, like, big pinnacle points on the team, but you look at that roster and it's just like oozing with potential. And they're one they're gonna be one of the most exciting, young, fun teams. 
and to have a coach who's been working with young talent in the G League, yeah. I have a lot of hopes for him developing these guys and making sure that he puts them in the best position to succeed uh, as they grow their career. Well, and that's the thing, too, as you talk about the young potential of the players on the Memphis Grizzlies. You also look, and the coach himself has that potential as well. 2018 to 2013, he was the Austin Toros assistant, uh, the D-League affiliate for the San Antonio Spurs. He was in the Spurs organization from 2007 to 2013. Uh, he was an assistant when they won uh, the D-League championship, and then he worked under Buddenholzer as an assistant uh, in Atlanta from 2013 to 2018, and then he followed him to Milwaukee as well. So he's been a Buddenholzer pop guy his pretty much his whole career. Yeah. And now he's finally getting a shot in Memphis. And you guys saw him coach, actually, and you probably didn't mm-hmm. even realize it. He won the Summer League Championship in yes, 2019 with the Grizzlies. And they went 6-1. and one. He knew how to work those guys. He you know, was obviously motivating Jane and Jark out there. He was he was <laughs> playing the guys correctly. Great balance of lineups out there. He was fantastic. And and I'm really excited to see what he can do. And, and I look at these two guys and you know, you can argue, well, they haven't proven themselves yet. Ryan Saunders and Taylor Jenkins. Uh, Saunders had a couple of games to prove himself, but definitely I wouldn't you know, mark that as a as a true start of what he deserves to yeah. see. I would rather give him a full season. So these guys pretty much clean slates, and I think they deserve to be higher than the bottom of the bucket because we know what Scott Brooks can do. We know what Billy Donovan can do. We know what Frank Vogel can do uh, with his multiple stops. We don't know what Ryan Saunders can do. We don't know what Taylor Jenkins can do. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they could be at 30 next year, or they can move up. We've seen before, obviously, like Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson needed some time to get his feet wet in the NBA before. He's now a middle-of-the-pack coach uh, for you and for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but and now, he's done a great job developing that young talent. Like He had mm-hmm. a very young Nets roster, and they got very creative in the front office with how to flip that roster over and how to get the most out of them. So a, a ton of credit to him, and I think this could be a better situation kind of in that same line. Yeah, and I think just these two guys deserve the ability to at least prove themselves out there, where some of these guys already have proved themselves and we know what we're getting from them. Uh, So I'm super excited to see what Taylor Jenkins and Ryan Saunders can do. Um, If there's one mistake that they should probably avoid, at least for each team, what what do you think that would be for Ryan Saunders? Like the biggest mistake he can do in year pretty much one. I mean, now with the the Timberwolves, it would be X. If Taylor Jenkins uh, made a big mistake to avoid or uh, one big mistake he would avoid, it would be x with these teams with the way that they're laid out what do you think the biggest mistake would be for these teams in these rosters for the t wolves it's a little difficult in my mind only because like i want to go to the point of like oh use cat more wiggins less but you should know like if you're yeah. ryan saunders you should know that for jenkins i think it's easy and i don't think he's gonna do this but it's don't set the expectations too high. Like for me, when looking in, it's like, okay, he's coming from that bud tree when he was in Atlanta and then with Milwaukee, there's part of me that wants to put the high hopes on him. Like, hey, he's coming from this coaching tree. Bud's doing a good job if he kind of implements what he's learned from Bud here with the Grizzlies. They can grow. Like he could probably be, I want to say, like in three years, four years, maybe potentially a top 10 coach, um, depending on how he does. But you got to temper that. Keep the expectations low for this team because the Grizzlies are not going to be a playoff hunt kind of a team. It's just how does this young team grow and what happens from day one to all the way to the end of the year and how much growth do they have? Yeah, I I agree with you in in a lot of that. Um, For the Grizzlies, it's definitely to have a long leash with these kids. Like John Rant is a point guard who has all the talent in the world, but he also will make all the mistakes too mm-hmm. and you know he's he's still a young kid and you need to let him make those mistakes to grow early on in his career he's going to struggle at times he's going to hit those walls but you have to give him 
the rope to hang himself with at this point because like if you don't give him this experience early in his career and you get gun shy with him and you bench the kid after he makes a couple mistakes or you know you get frustrated and he doesn't get you know enough playing time year one like it could hurt his long-term growth and i think you have to do that with a lot of these guys in this roster you have to go pretty deep on this team so my thing is win loss doesn't matter this year he could literally lose 50 games 60 games i don't care like none of that matters it's you have to find out out of all of those young talented players you've got who's your who's your core pieces going forward how good can they be and what kind of rotations work with them best because you've got a couple of guys with some overlapping uh areas of talent and you want to make sure that you put them in the best chances to succeed for the timberwolves 110 percent. the answer is the playoffs should not be your expectation this year it should be trying to figure out how to best get the right guys around cat like i understand we we even had some troubles trying to come up with like well are they going to go with a younger rotation are they going to squeeze in their high draft pick this year or are we going to see you know a really big rotation i think a lot of it comes down to just settle the locker room down. You're done with the Jimmy Butler saga. You're done with Tom Thibodeau. You're no longer the Timber Bulls. You mm-hmm. know, you are your own team. Find an identity to get a system that works around them. Because if we've seen one thing in the last five, year, five years of the NBA, it's having one star player on your team and putting the right system to allow them to succeed is what separates good coaches from bad coaches. We've seen that with Anthony Davis down in New Orleans. We've seen that with Giannis. We've seen that with Kawhi Leonard. We've seen that even with LeBron James. Like, all of these guys, James Harden, you look at the top players in this league, and the one thing that they have in common is their coach understands how to get the best out of them and how to put the right pieces around them to make sure they succeed. So mm-hmm. if you're going to use someone, and you're going to see, like, coaches where we talked about Alvin Gentry struggling in years past where you weren't able to get the best out of Anthony Davis because of maybe not even his fault, but it's, you know, the roster around him wasn't set up for him. But that's something the head coach has to work with. And if you can't get, you know, the right pieces in from your GM, then you've got to make sure you rotationally put them in the right positions at least to get the best out of them. And I think that he really struggled with that in the past. And we saw once you give him a little bit of talent, you saw that success get rolling with Alvin Gentry. And that's how you know he's not a bottom-tier coach. But for someone like Ryan Saunders, who's so early in his career, he needs to focus heavily on making sure – he gets the right offense in place for Cat and gets someone defensively to keep on, and we've talked about this for years, is to keep him honest. Yeah. All you have to do is get Cat to get some modicum of effort on defense and cover up for some uh, issues he has with being in the right position at the right time and the effort levels, and you're in business. Like, that team can flip a switch in a year. I think I agree with you with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I'll take it more in a different direction, specifically focus on Wiggins. I think he did a great job with Cat, and I'm not too worried about what he specifically is going to do with him this year. Mm-hmm. As long as he's getting the ball, I don't really care. Def- defense, it might just be a lost cause with with Carl Anthony Towns, that and it might possible. never it might never just come up unless he's playing with an elite defender. You know, yeah. if he if he's like Derek Favors playing next to Rudy Gobert, that's where he's gonna you know <laughs> shine broken. the most defensively. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, 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 with Wiggins, you got him on this massive contract, but at some point. You either have to try to move on from him or you at least have to try to move on from him and keep him within your organization but not hurt your team. So this might be the final year of Andrew Wiggins being a for-sure starter and a for-sure clear piece of our future. 
You have to determine that, though. And by yeah. doing that is giving him quality minutes. And I think he was trying his best to do that last year. And we saw Wiggins play pretty decently under Saunders. Uh, Thibodeau was fired, and Saunders took over on uh, January 6th. And from six to the, the 6th of January to the end of the season, it was 38 games, 35.7 minutes per game uh, for Wiggins in those games, 41.9% from the field, 33.3% from uh, three, uh, 67.5% from the, the, the line, 19.1 points per game, Six boards, three uh, three assists. Um, nothing crazy, but I think if you're giving him quality minutes, because this is a guy that you know already through five seasons played about 36 minutes per game. Yeah, I want to see him get quality minutes. I don't want to see him drained out there. I want to see him really be used with all of his energy, all of his his might. You know, go balls out on defense. Give him maybe 29 minutes per game, but make sure those are quality minutes. Make sure he's okay. playing with the te- you know the guys that are going to suit his skills position best and maybe that's not with cat all the time obviously playing with cat you're going to need them starting in the same lineup and probably finishing out games but i would want it to see what he can do with him you know without cat and with cat on the bench and i want to see what he can do as a true defender and and make him go balls to the wall and be like hey you're getting 29 minutes make these 29 minutes count um and that's what i would like to see at least from them and then going to our boy uh jailer jenkins Mm -hmm. uh over here I think it's pretty much just don't rely too heavily on your on your um, your, your your vets outside of Jonas Valanciunas because obviously they resigned him and he's, he seems to be a, a longer piece key yeah. for them. You know, Miles Plumlee doesn't need to see that much of the floor. Uh, Tyus Jones doesn't need to see that much of the floor. Solomon Hill doesn't need to see that much of the floor. Um, along with you know like Jay Crowder, like Jay Crowder obviously is going to be used, but I do want to see minutes from Grayson Allen. I do want to see minutes from Brandon Clark. I want to see what you can get from Josh Jackson. I want to see what you can get from DeAnthony Mel- Melton. See what kind of you know see what players at least the younger guys can take that next step under your system and which guys are going to gel and which guys are going to yeah. be there for the long term because we know that when this team's competitive, Jay Crowder's not going to be there. Like I don't want you to overuse it where these guys that aren't going to be on the team when this team's actually going to matter mm-hmm. is getting these minutes and taking away from guys that possibly could be there because this is pretty much what we saw with the Sixers. I mean, the Sixers, they took away every single veteran from that team when they were tanking and they focused solely on the guys that they could possibly find for yeah. the future and that's how you got robert covington and that was one guy but he was ended up being a key piece to where this team currently is now so i want to see what you can get from these younger players and i think you don't focus too much on the veterans they're going to get their playing time and you they they might not even be here by the end of february exactly some team might want them and, and, and trade for them so yeah. definitely don't hold too much on to the past at least with what these guys can do and i think that plays into the record mm-hmm. thing don't go for the record yeah don't worry about that play the young guys, and give them as much time as possible. Last thing I'm going to throw out, I thought about this as you were talking about Ryan Saunders. Now that Thibodeau's not the head coach, holy shit, we might expect something from Jerk Culver this year because he may actually play. Oh, yeah. Because Thibodeau doesn't play rookies, and Saunders may actually use Jerk Culver where Thibodeau wouldn't have. We'll have to see. Uh, Next guy, I think, Dave, you have some hot thoughts about Dave Fisdale. Ricky and I had him at 23, and you came out before the podcast saying this guy is the worst uh, coach in the NBA, although you put Borrego below him. Give us your Fisdale thoughts. Take that for data. Uh, Look. As an assistant coach, I respect because him. Because I, I want to say this, and yeah. I, 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 as an assistant coach, you respect him. I understand that. I just want to say, I didn't have him the lowest, all right? I'm not a Knicks hater, all right? <laughs> Fuck off with that bullshit, all right? Yeah. Sorry I didn't put your guy uh, fucking, who was it? Uh, who, uh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Robinson. Yeah, you had him at like 21. Like, sorry we didn't put a guy in his you know, second year uh, in, in the top 10. Did like, I have him the highest? No, you had him the lowest, I think. Okay. Um, but, like, I, I, we're not Knicks haters, all right? Some, no. guys, some guys just aren't that great. Dave had him at 21. All right, there we yeah. go. I had, like, me and you had him at 17. Like, come on. We're not, we're not <laughs> hating the Knicks here, all right? This isn't a Nick hate thing. You don't like his coaching style. 
I don't because he doesn't have an offensive coaching style. He has literally zero skill set to coach that half of the ball. And I understand, like, your whole thing is he's a defensive head coach. His assistant head coaches should fill in for him and be able to work with that offensive side of the ball and let him focus on what he does best. The problem is, is that they don't. Therefore, it's just even brighter of a spotlight on the fact that they have absolutely not a fucking clue what to do on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I've never seen such a horrible offensive system in the NBA. And we I've been watching seriously for uh, about four or five years. And then before that, just as a casual fan for like the last 20, you know, and it just doesn't move like they have no sense of ball movement. They they have no sets. They the sets they do run are ineffective. The pieces they have, they don't know how to use. It's just a, a, a comedy of errors one after the other. And it really gives me no confidence because I'm watching these players get put into positions where they can't succeed and there there's no winning it's like okay how how are we going to get better if we're just gonna let people play like solo solo iso ball out there and just take up you know 16 seconds of the shot clock just dribbling the ball back and forth like i'm sorry at some point a coach has to step in and be like no this is the way we run our offense this is the way we have to do things because we can't trust young kids out there to play team ball on their own and figure it out because they're not and they're never going to well, get there if you don't have a coach there who can help them. I got a couple things. And first off, it goes into this is not me bashing the Knicks because I know Knicks fans. I'm going to call you guys soft. We say something about your team. I'm not bashing you. Get I'm all just calling you soft no, and weak. Shout I, out, Knicks fans. You get all up in arms that we're critical of your team. So I want to throw that out there. But I'm going to be critical of the Knicks. The front office isn't great. No. I don't think it's all on Fizdale. Like Fizdale in Memphis had more to work with than he does in New York. And that's part of it that plays into it. The second thing is I look at our rankings, our cumulative, and everyone that's below Fizdale, it's like Borrego. Yes, I know I was there last year, but this year he's going to – this will be a trying year for him because he's not going to have Kemba out there. What can you do with that Hornets team without Kemba Walker now? It's probably not going to go well. Saunders has had half of a year. Um, of coaching last year. You've got Taylor Jenkins, who's brand new. Frank Vogel, who, yes, didn't coach last year, but I know his track record, and I would take Fisdale over Frank Vogel. Also, what people are going to say is, you're going to throw out the, oh, Vogel got fired from the Magic. Well, Fisdale also got fired from the Grizzlies. Vogel got fired because he was horrible. Fisdale got fired because management just didn't like him. But, there was a difference. Like, he actually made the playoffs Vogel, and then got fired. Vogel has talent and Fisdale and, doesn't. And we know why Vogel was hired. Like he was hired general, to, you know, stop. LeBron can be the coach yeah. and push him over. Um, and then Billy Donovan, who is not going to do anything this year because he doesn't have Russ um, and is going to be bottom of the barrel. And then there's Scott Brooks, the worst coach in the NBA. So, like, for me, that's and these are all the guys. The only guy I had below Fizdale that we don't in the cumulative is Luke Walton, and I think that's where the line is for Fizdale, where it's like he shouldn't be at the top. He shouldn't be in the top twenty, but he's definitely top twenty-five at least. I my my I thing with Fizdale is I think this is just a very trying year to him because he did make the playoffs with the Grizzlies that one year, but that was a very veteran-heavy team that was skilled. Yeah, and then this first year with the the Knicks, yes, he didn't show a ton. When it comes to his offensive uh, game, you know his his offensive side. Yeah. But I, I do wonder how much the roster limited him, and also it was his first year in the Knicks. So I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt. He had a very good first year with the Grizzlies, a very very bad year with the Knicks. But they were also tanking for he Zion. He kept the Grizzlies so. on track. That's all he did. He just took the momentum and kept it rolling. But he still did that. He got and given I don't know how many coaches can Knicks do that. Where it's like, look, you got a young roster. 
you've got all these interesting pieces. Mm-hmm. Find out who's going to who, shake it out. See yeah. what's going to happen. And instead, let's see. In the last two years, we've seen uh, one of the worst performances out of Kevin Knox statistically as a rookie in the league. Mm-hmm. And then the year before was a huge regression year for Frank. So it's like I, I, I'm I'm concerned with young talent development there. I understand KP being yeah. injured derails a whole lot of plans. I I understand that, and that's but, why I'm saying I want to give him one more year. And if we see the same stuff again, yeah. or you know, even if Kevin Knox takes a jump, if if it's not a significant jump, because you know, obviously, like you said, any jump is a jump because yeah, he has one of the worst years ever. Exactly. Um, if it's not anything significant, then I'm definitely going to move him down. If if we're not seeing what we're seeing from Frank in, in the World Cup. Like that's going to be a major concern. Yeah. You're talking about a defensive freak out here that is playing his ass off for France right now. Just massacring Kemba. And if you're not grind. able to, you know, capitalize that on on that, you're you're an absolute idiot. Yeah. So I, I don't understand, you know, what what why they haven't been able to pull this out of Frank. Frank looks absolutely fantastic. I mean, he had some injuries, and then there was the healthy DNPs, and then it's the start stop, and then it's like, but he's choosing play small to DNP forward, him. and now yeah. you play shooting guard, and now you play point guard. So and then back to small forward again. If we're seeing that again, and you know, after all the offseason moves where they're getting in veterans who can play and guys that can be competitive, and I know who that set up to succeed here. That's all I'm saying. Like. The man with four power forwards on his roster <laughs> who doesn't like his point guards because, mm-hmm. let's see, you got Dennis Smith Jr. in a trade, yeah. and you had mixed success at best is what I would call it. You had Lonzo Trier playing point guard for half the year because mm-hmm. guess what? Iso ball wins. Yeah. Um, like It's just it's incredibly frustrating to see you know someone who has the, the chance to coach all this young talent and kind of find an identity for this Knicks roster uh, coming out of the, like a dark days at this point. And instead, I see the front office load him up with a bunch of veterans who all play, you know, similar positions and power forward role. And it's like, OK, how are you going to get the most out of this team this year? Like, is he set up to succeed this year? Do you believe that? Because I don't. I think that, like, he's a bad coach, bad head coach in a not great situation with talent on that roster. Like, He's got young talent. Because I love several guys on this team, but I don't know how he's going to make this work with his skill set and the roster they gave him. I absolutely understand your concerns. And I don't think he's set up for playoff success in any way, but I think he's in in a better position to have success this year than he was last year. And yeah, he sorry. also has more famili- familiarity with these players. So you have a full offseason to work on these guys, and even if they don't fit your system, you as a head coach in the NBA need to understand how that works and how they're going to work for you. And maybe they don't fit your system, but they can work in some version, and you have to do your best to be adaptable. Yeah. So if he doesn't come out and show that he's adaptable, the, and, and and you know after not knowing these players for a full year, mm-hmm. now he knows them for a full year. If he's able to change his system and make sure that this works for you know he, he's able to put out plans that work for each and every player, then I you know will be fine at where I put him. Again, if if he doesn't show that and we just see the same stagnant offense where it's a ton of ISO ball, then I'm definitely going yeah. to be concerned with with this team, and I, I'd move him down. And I wouldn't also wouldn't be shocked if we don't see progression from Kevin Knox or or Frank Nealakina that we're going to see him probably get fired as well. So. I think that you know this is this is a 23 that it's it's or a 24 that isn't anything you know of a glowing confirmation of of his skill set or anything like that. It's just I don't think he had a complete fair shot last year, and I would like to see what he can do with another year of knowing these players and having more veterans on this team like Bobby Portis, Marcus uh, Marcus Morris, and uh, Taj, Julius Randall, Julius Randall, and Taj Gibson. Like I, I want to see what he can do with some of these more veteran players. Um, and, and he does have youth at some skill positions as well, like point guard, like we're saying, Dennis, Frank, and then obviously uh, Kevin Knox. Like yeah. He's got so, young key pieces. It's just 
Marouks and Julius Randle can carry this team to like 15 wins on their own. Yeah. It's just what can you do beyond that? Yeah, and I want I want to see that, and 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 I think that you have a, a point guard in Frank that I think would be absolutely perfect for a David Fisdale defense, and they're exactly using so. him correctly. So if he uses him correctly this year, I can't I can't bash him. But and, if he and, do, if he doesn't and halts his his performance again, then yeah, I yeah, I've definitely part of its confidence on Frank's down. part. But like if you have a coach who doesn't give you the time. To learn to play with the system, mm-hmm. learn to work, it, it's not going to work every time you get your legs cut out from under you, you know? That's not how you build up confidence of a young player. And that's why I bring up the front office thing, which just thinking in my head, and this is something we'll have to talk about for maybe next year, the years uh, in the future, I think this is the only rankings we have where it's like, okay, let's bring in the front office with it. And yeah. like, like, there's a part of it's like, man, we should probably rank all the front, like all the owners as well, because they play into getting the team together and how the team's going to be. And I just look at the Knicks and their recent history, and I know the front office has changed They've a couple times. yeah. But the last successful coach in Knicks history was Mike Woodson. He's the last one to have a winning record. That was between 2012 and 2014. He's also the only one to go to the playoffs more than one time. Um, the other two were uh, Dan Tony had a uh, losing record but had – more than 100 wins with the Knicks, but got swept in a playoff series. You also have Lenny Wilkins in 0405, got swept in a playoff series. Before that, the only coach of like great provenance is Jeff Van Gundy, 96 to 2001. Van Gundy and Red. Yeah, that's how far we're going at this point. So it's like. And that was the last win in the playoffs? Yeah, and that's the last time like Van Gundy went, what, 69 playoff games? Yeah, even with 37. Wilson. In that first year, he was an interim coach. He only yeah. he only coached twenty four games. I don't know if you mentioned that. No, I didn't. Yeah, but okay. thanks for. Uh, but like all the other, it's like is Fisdale going to be a future head coach this team, or will he just be another corpse in the Hornacek, um, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Brown kind of a pool I, for this? See, team? see, here's the thing: is like I I don't think that well Isaiah Thomas was an idiot and didn't deserve the job. Yeah. Um, and and that goes to back to and ownership. Derek Fisher, and, I forgot about yeah, D. Fisher. Fisher. Oh, shit. <laughs> because he got fired and um, Rambus took the job over from him. So at least with some of these guys, like some of these guys are just bad head coaches. And yeah. but at, like, and I know I have a horrible love for Jeff Hornacek, but like Hornacek, I don't think got a fair shot in New York. And I think you know it could Fisdale could be in that position of a Derek Fisher or a Rambus that he didn't deserve this job and that he was a bad candidate. Yeah. But I would like to see him prove that. And and if he has another bad year that. You know, even if they have a losing record, that doesn't define the Knicks. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Um, but if if they do not show that progress, then that's going to probably tank them. Uh, let's move on to the final guys. Just throw out one guy that you're interested in talking about, um, whether that be John Beeline, another guy that we haven't talked about first year. He just seems like he's been around so long because he's like 75. Yeah. Um, he's not 30 years old like uh, James uh, James Borrego, uh, Saunders, and, and Jenkins are. Um if you want to throw out one more guy, who would it be? What are you interested about? I'm yeah. going to let you pick because I've got two, so I'm going to see if you steal one of mine. Uh, I'll just take the obvious one and take John Beeline then because okay. it's a coach where he gets handed a young roster with two young point guards, and everybody's going to be like, how's he going to make this work? Because even us at the draft are like, wait, they, they, they took Colin Sexton last year, mm-hmm. and now they're going back to the well and taking Darius Garland. Bold call. How's this going to play out on the court? Are they going to play two point guards? Are they going to split time? How's this going to work? And... I think with a Cleveland team that basically is an, a blank slate, like you have Colin Sexton who looked amazing for half a year, but you don't know how much that's going to hold true, and you don't know if his defensive game is ever going to pick up. I, I, I'm very curious to see what he's able to do with this team. The nice thing for him is 
as far as veterans go on this team, you have very good ones. Like Kevin Love is a great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. I know he's getting paid a shit ton of money to be injured all the time, but that's <laughs> fine because as far as like one guy to run a locker room, he's fantastic. He's going to be like coach's best friend, basically. Yeah. Tristan Thompson's a guy who's on the end of his contract, so I'm not super worried about that. And outside of that, the rest of this roster, do whatever you want with it. Like you can work with your front office and move pieces in and out and get the guys you prefer. But the age group is right for John Beeline to step in and make an impact day one. I don't know if I have thrown this out on the podcast, but I'll throw it out now. Do you think this is a year where the reason why they took Garland was, all right, John, we're bringing you in. We're going to give you both guys. At the end of the year, tell us who you like. We'll shop the other one. Not, I'm saying not midseason, but like end of the year. If you they're can, too, if, if you can work with both, we can work with both. But even if you're like, hey, I like Garland over Sexton, he's going to be the point guard of my team. I don't have a use for Sexton. Is the Cavalier front office basically giving him the choice of like, hey, pick whatever point guard you want to lead this team with you as, at the helm? And because the other guy is so young and has a friendly contract, that friendly rookie contract, we'll find someone for him and either get your draft picks or get How much your players that you think you can he use. had in that draft pick though that's Maybe. my question is because he was uh, I think picked he had up a in lot. the end of may so he had some time i think he had a lot of say into it the, i i don't, I don't know. think he did. head coaches you hear stories sometimes they have no say in what happens during the draft other times they have an incredible impact on what guy is selected so i'm just mm. curious for you guys bringing in a new I, head coach who's been in the college game as long as he has do you think he had any say, some say, no say? I think he did not factor into the final decision. Okay. I think they probably talked to him, but I don't think he had it. I don't think he had a final decision matters. I think it was probably Coley Altman making that that true decision. Yeah. And I think it kind of might play into the fact that they thought they should pick Sexton because that might have swayed LeBron in some way. We remember exactly right after he was drafted that they asked him mm-hmm. live on ESPN, "How does it? What would be your pitch to keep LeBron here in Cleveland?" And he's like, uh, "I'm just happy to be drafted to the NBA. Um, we gonna I go and win it back." I don't know. It's the worst interview what, ever. What the plan is with with the two point guards? I don't know if that's their plan though. Is to you know shop one at the end of the year? Yeah. I think with Beeline though, it's just make sure both guys progress. And, and make sure both guys can show their skill sets. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. And I, I don't really, I'm not looking too much into that. It's just if these guys look good, then, you know, we don't need to move them. Because if yeah. they're playing well together, then what's the point of moving them? Exactly. Um, and we, we see that Who needs guards together can work. But you don't, Honestly, you, like, you, I'm you not being yeah. facetious here. I'm just saying, like, two guard sets, if you can win out offensively, you don't have to worry about defense. You can get yeah, other guys that, who are versatile to help pair them up. And cover up some of it. Even then, we've seen Stop we've bleeding. seen guys. If you put enough effort on in defense, you're you're, you're fine. Yeah. You're you're starter level. Damon I mean, CJ Colin Sexton puts his his at least a ton of effort into defense. He's just not long enough to yeah. be a great defender. So I, I think it just plays into that. If if Beeline's able to just show progress with them, I'd, I'd be excited. Um, guy that I want to talk about. I'll is Frank. just answer the question that you Go answered. Ahead. I think he didn't have final say, but I think that Altman did go to Beeline and. His opinion played a big role in getting Garland. It wasn't just like, "Oh, what do you think?" All right, I'm gonna disregard that. No, he I don't think he was disregarding. I just, I don't think it, I don't think it mattered. Like, like it was just more like, "Who do you like?" And just be like, "Okay, well, you know, it, it, it was just more, you know, if you think that you could work with these guys, then okay, cool." Like, it's mm-hmm. if, if he was like, "Oh, you know, Darius Garland seems like a horrible kid." I heard horrible stories from like recruiting stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah, that would definitely would have played into it. Yeah. But it was just like you know, both guys bring positives like to the. And court, I think like, the weight was know, just a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, with my guy, I'd be Frank Vogel. I'm just interested to see you know 
if you ask what they do, if it's just get out of the way and let LeBron and AD do what they want, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have on this team. Should we have put in slash J Kid? No. Um, <laughs> do you think it's going to happen this year? Like, isn't that's... that pathetic that that's what we're asking? Like, Frank Vogel gets Zero hired, and you're like, coach. you're like, why, why shouldn't Frank Vogel be higher? You're, you're, you're like, got all you're like tell me what Frank, Frank Vogel does wrong. And I'm like, well, this dude just got fired from the Pacers and the Magic, and now we're talking about him getting fired already after he hasn't coached a game with the Lakers to get replaced by Jason fucking Kidd. Oh, expectations are high. The problem is the fact that he's got the, not the most talent in the NBA, but he's got, you know, top five talent in the NBA mm-hmm. to coach. So it's like, why not? Why, why would you be so low on someone who has been given so much talent? Like, do you think he? Do you think his coaching impact is so bad that he's going to shit the bed so hard that they're going to fire him and he's not going to have a winning season on this team? I just you don't think he's going to take this team to the playoffs. If we're talking impact wise, I don't think he's taking them to the playoffs. I don't think he's going to have that much of an impact on this team. Okay. As long as you're not, you know, fucking up the rotations, it's going to be hard not to get this team into the playoffs. That's what I'm saying like. But that doesn't mean we're not going to look at this and be like, look at the shining great job Frank Vogel did. It's like the Ty Lue stuff. Ty Lue wasn't massively ranked high after he won a championship. It's not like Nick Nurse this year. We're like, oh, Nick Nurse deserves some credit. 2018 coaching rankings? Ty Lue, 30. (laughs) Ty Lue, 30. Yeah. (laughs) Ty Lue, 20. Didn't have an effect in the team, and I don't think Frank Vogel will. He might have more of of an effect than Ty Lue did. I believe he will. But even then, I mean, Ty Lue was very uh, crucial to the locker room of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Frank Vogel, I don't think he's had that type of impact throughout his coaching career, at least in the locker room. His his coaching has mostly been his defensive prowess. Yep. So if this team's good defensively, then yeah. hey, Frank Vogel might get a shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this team's like falling apart at the seams, Dwight Howard, Anthony like, Davis seems like they're going to control the low post defensively pretty fucking well. Shout out to Bill um, <laughs> and Danny Green. I'm yeah. sorry, like they. He, he has the right tools I, for the. Kind I'm of not saying he can't succeed, but I, I, again, let LeBron my, on the offense. My like first he does thought anyway. is, mm-hmm. if this team wins 50, if 50 games, I'm not going to be like Brian Frank Vogel, yeah. coach of the year. No, but well, I mean, like, like sorry, one would, last thing is, yeah. just, you have Rondo and you have LeBron James running an offense. Basically, you have two assistant coaches on the court, <laughs> and then you have two of the best <laughs> post defenders. Too. That's what I'm saying. Like, he has. Everything that covers up for his weakness on offense with those two guys. Yeah. And you have everything defensively that feeds into who he is between the other three guys on the court. I'm sorry. Like, he's in a position to succeed far better than everybody else I, in the section. But, but, but this isn't, again, this isn't like who's going to the playoffs. Like, no, if, if we're not, doing that, I put, yeah. him, I put him one through 16 and Frank mm-hmm. Vogel will be like 10 then because I think they're going to win most I'm, games. I'm saying I factors just, into like well, it, the guys in your team and how you're going to be able to use them. It comes down to this. It's If a, he wins, there won't be a problem. It's a scale of... Where is he going to be from Ty Lue being the worst? Eric Spolster's on the other side. Which effect is he going to have on this team? The Ty Lue effect where they win a championship and then we look at it where it goes, hey, good job, LeBron. Oh, Frank Vogel, get out of here. People walk or, away from the heat well, being like, wow, Eric Spolster was perfect. Eric Spolster has gotten a lot of respect Pat after Riley. that. Yeah, no, but, I mean, Pat oh, he has. But no, but Spolster Spol- Spol- like, gave, Spol- gave most more. of my respect after those three left. Yeah, and it's what can he do without them? Yeah, and, and he yeah. did. He did great. He got yeah. him to the playoffs multiple times. But like the the thing I throw in there is Spolster was a guy where maybe not his first year, but you could mm-hmm. see while the big three were playing. We'll say for by the sake. by the end, he would be the yeah. one that say, "Hey, I'm going to challenge you." Whereas Ty Lue was the one where it's like. I just saw Ty Lue as LeBron walks all over. He's a step over. Yeah, exactly. The step over. That's what he's known for, and that's what he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's going to be massively impactful for Frank Vogel. I think if he if they win, unless unless they're like top like number one defense or something like that, I don't like or top ten defense. Yeah, I think they like I they could be, but I don't know if it's Mm going to be all on Frank Vogel. Um, I 
maybe well, maybe like, I think the, he's, he would have to show what he does best probably in the playoffs. So yeah, I think it would take a long time for me to be like, oh wow, Frank Vogel. Had I mean, a you tell me impact. a team with Anthony Davis, Danny Green, and Dwight Howard isn't going to be good at defense. Like, I'm sorry, that's just they're but, set up to succeed. That's how much credit you gotta give to Frank Vogel versus how much to the players who are known for. That's the thing; they're that, extremely gifted defensive. I'm most likely going to go talent. to the the, the players. So, um, Ricky, who's the who's the coach you want to throw out there? I've got a dual package, but it's because they're in the same boat. Okay. Um, Luke Walton and Jim Boylan. Um, Allegedly, Luke Walton. They're kind of like <laughs> they're kind of. <laughs> They're kind of in the same boat where, and the reason why I say that is Luke Walton is a new face on a team that was so close to the playoffs. Yes. Jim Boylan, basically, after a rough start, I mean, really rough start in that locker room, kind of had to save the locker room, then turned it around to where I'm like, I don't okay, think it was Jim Boylan may, saving it. It was the players I'm like, being maybe like, Jim right, Boylan's not as bad as a head coach as I thought he was. Yeah. And the thing with these two guys. Luke Walton may have a more of a running head start of because of where his team finished, but like Dave and I on Superfans, go check it out. Um, Boylan could be in the same discussion of which one of these two coaches is going to make his team perform the best. And Luke Walton, we look at, oh, the Kings could be a playoff team. But the Bulls in the East, don't sleep on them either. Like these could be two coaches that are like, hey, could they sneak into eight spots in their respective conferences? I would definitely give more credit to Luke Walton in the West doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kings team definitely has more talent than the Bulls. Yeah. But at the same time, the West is also incredibly loaded. difficult and, and loaded, like you said. So I, I do like that idea, though, that they're both in similar situations. They both have uh, high expectations. Plus, and Luke Walton's got, like, if he wanted his, if you thought his offense was pretty good in uh, L.A., He's got tons of toys to play I mean, with. Come and on. like the man Buddy the Heald, Wooden Award winner, De'Aaron Fox now running that up-tempo offense. Exactly. Like, them with the up-tempo offense is going to be incredible. Oh, he's got up-tempo? I think it will. I think he's going to push the pace. He had yeah. his most success with the Warriors I, with lots I'm, of ball and up-tempo. I'm just saying. And then before that, the Golden State I, Warriors. That was a different coach with the Kings. What if Luke Walton wants to change it for some stupid reason? We don't know. No, but I'm saying in a game. Walton, Walton's successes come in two systems. Yeah. I no, know I, I know. Being a dick, I'm being like, a dick. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. On the Warriors. La- last year he wasn't the coach, so what if he's like come in and was like, yeah, we're playing fucking triangle offense. Have yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Phil Jackson's so it, like, I'm back. I mean, the only way that Luke Walton fucks this up is if he plays triangle offense. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, we talked about the moves the front office made. Yeah. They brought in mm. so many veterans to try to bolster this team that shit the bed late in the season. And it's just finding the right way. Like, Literally, Marvin Bagley was someone who couldn't get fucking minutes to start the season last year, and we watched what he could do. It was like, how is this man not playing 30 minutes a night? So it's just understanding where your talent's at and who's bringing it, because you have bench depth. You have to use it, and that's the that's big thing. They've got young pieces, great. They also now have savvy veterans to back them up, so if somebody's not bringing it that night, guess what? Move over. We got somebody else. And, like, he has to be good on those rotations because mm-hmm. you've got multiple ball handlers on that offense. You've got multiple guys who can shoot well, and you've got a, a, a plethora of bigs. So for him, it's balancing the shooting, balancing the offense, and making sure that, like, you're not playing cold just because you're sticking with your rotation, which we've seen guys like him do. So, right. yeah. We'll have to see. Let us know your thoughts on 21 through 30 down in the comments below. Who do we have too high? Who do we have too low? Uh, Obviously, you guys are vocal, and we love that, so let us know what you think. But let's jump into the next segment, and that is 11 through 24, our coaches throughout the NBA. Ricky Wimmer, start us off with your rankings. Well, starting at 21, I didn't notice I was the only one. Or 20. 
Didn't notice I was the only one that had him in the top 20. John Beeline of the Cavs. Then at 19, Alvin Gentry um, of the New Orleans Pelicans. Then at 18, Lloyd Pierce of the Atlanta or the Hotlanta Hawks. Then at 17, Steve Clifford of the Orlando Magic. Then at 16, where he should be in the bottom half of coaches, Brett Brown from the Philadelphia 76ers. Then at number 15, Kenny Atkinson of the Brooklyn Nets. Then Terry Stotts at 14 of the Blazers. 13, Eric Spolstra, or Spoles, um, of the Miami Heat. Nate McMillan at 12 from the Pacers. And at number 11, Rick Carlisle from the Dallas Mavericks. David, 21 through 30, or 11 through 20. 9 through 10. <laughs> 40 through 40. <laughs> 11 through 20. What's at 20, I've got Lloyd Pierce. 19, it's Steve Clifford. Oh. 18, Terry Stotts. 17, Alvin Gentry. 16, Monty Williams. 15, Brett Brown. 14, Kenny Atkinson. 13, former coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. At 12, Nate McMillan. And 11, Spoles. All right, and then my 11 through 20. At 20, I have Monty Williams of the Suns. 19, Lloyd Pierce. 18, Kenny Atkinson. 17, Steve Clifford. 16, Dwayne Casey. 15, Brett Brown. 14, Terry Stotts. 13, Eric Spolstra. 12, Nate McMillan. And 11, Elvin Gentry. For our cumulative rankings, at 20, we have Monty Williams of the Suns. 19, we have Lloyd Pierce of the Hawks. 18, we have Steve Clifford of the Magic. 17, we have Alvin Gentry of the Pelicans. 16, Kenny Atkinson of the Nets. 15, Brett Brown of the 76ers. 14, Terry Stotts of the Trailblazers. At 13, we have Dwayne Casey of the Pistons. 12, Eric Spolstra of the Heat. And at 11, Nate McMillan of the Indiana Pacers. Let's start off with the lightning bolt that is, ring that bell, Brett Brown. Coming in at 15, (laughs) I had difficulties ranking them. Clearly, I had. I was, Jake was like, where's Brett Brown? Where's Brett Brown? Where's Brett Brown? Uh, and I originally had him at 19. Jake talked me up so I could kind of give Jake's thought process of why he wanted him so high. Um, so at least we can get the sixer take um, from okay. this. But let's, yeah. let's, well, no, let's, not out of the way. Let's, <laughs> let's get your guys' take first. Um, what, what do you guys think about Brett Brown? Uh, Dave, you had him at 15 like I did. Rick, you had him at 16. So we all had him in the same area. What were you guys thinking when, when you were ranking Brett Brown? He okay. He's just he, he's given so much talent, and he's had the same problem two years in a row now, which is how do you use Ben Simmons when teams game plan against him? How do you how do you continue to have an offensive flow when you're playing four v five? And we haven't seen an answer out of him yet. And they've now retold the team uh, a couple times over in the last two years, uh, multiple trades, multiple pieces in and out. And now with the most loaded team, what looks like on paper in the NBA, it's going to be high expectations. If you don't make the finals with this team, you I don't know what, what can do that. Like, you have to just be, I don't want to push him out of town, but I don't think that he'll get a contract extension, you know, if he can't make the finals with the team. And I, I realize how close they were last year in the playoffs of succeeding, but still, it just comes down to if you're not the right guy for the pieces on your team, you need to find a new team. Sorry, man. Well, I'll put it this way. I know that four bounces, all that, they should have beat the Raptors. Like, Philly fans can think that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I know we've got, like, Kyle Craig and Jake, who are the big um, two Philly fans. Um, They're always in the comment section on Twitter. But here's my thing. They weren't beating the Bucs. If it's Bucs, Sixers... It is in the finals then, the Milwaukee Bucks, not the Toronto Raptors, obviously, because they would have lost to the 76ers. That's what you're saying. And from what I've said from day one, and I am still on this point, 
Brett Brown is he's not a terrible coach. He's not a great coach. He's not the one to bring the Sixers to the finals. That's why he's at 15. He's right there at 16. How do you, how do you know that right exactly he can't middle. bring him to the finals? Because he hasn't been able to. And I know okay, that but 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 this is the best this year upcoming is yeah. the best team that he's had throughout yeah. his entire tenure. And then when they don't years. make it to the finals this year, what will but be why the excuse? Cannot, why can they not make the finals this year? Because of Brett Brown and how it, is that dis- significant his, of a, a his coach? Decision, then why isn't he at thirty? His decision making because. He can bring a team to the playoffs. He can bring a team to top three hell. They might even finish one or two this year. The regular season doesn't matter to me. It's what you do in the playoffs. And every single time, Brett Brown, this is probably the only year where it ended, where it was like, oh, if Kawhi didn't hit that shot, like we wouldn't have lost. We're not blaming Brett Brown because of the four bounces. Exactly. Jimmy's not on this team no more. And that's going to play big into it because I know they've got Al Horford now. I know they brought back Tobias Harris, but I think this will finally be the year people see, hey, you know what? He ain't the guy. We lost in the playoffs yet again without getting to the finals. We don't want to waste Joel Embiid. We don't want to waste Ben Simmons. Let's get someone in here who will actually get the job done. Let me me put it into the perspective of Jake. And Jake was a guy that is is extremely reactive, and we love him for that. Um, but he also came out and after the playoffs and, and, and after finally watching it and, and, and being less of a fuck we lost, we need to change everything so we can mm-hmm. get to the playoffs or the finals. Um, he did come out and say that he thought Brett Brown outcoached Nick Nurse, that his rotations absolutely matched Nick Nurse, and that that was the reason that they went to seven games, which mainly due to uh, Brett Brown's coaching because he was dealing with a sick Joel Embiid. And if to go along with that as well, he put him in a position to win. It was just that crazy shot, and it was Kawhi Leonard. And and you look at that last play, and it was just more, you know, you had Joel Embiid on Kawhi Leonard, and Joel wanted to be in that situation. And I don't think Joel would have listened to any coach in that situation to not be following Kawhi on that on that lead. Um, and Kawhi just beat him. I mean, they, they, they played great defense on that. I mean, Kawhi just threw up a, a fantastic shot, yeah. and they went in. I don't think Brett Brown is that big of a negative where this team cannot go to the finals. And also, just to clear up something, uh, Brett Brown does have a contract essentially signed at 2018 uh, that makes him the coach through 2021-2022. Uh, yep. um, so I just want to clarify that because I know you said that. Uh, he wouldn't get another mm-hmm. one. Yeah, he wouldn't get another one. I uh, just want to say that he, he wouldn't get another one 21-22 or something like that. Um, but well, I, mean, I don't think he's holding him back that much. He put him in a situation to win last year, and that's why they were in a Game 7 with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And I don't dis- I, I do disagree with you that the Bucks would have won in the NBA Finals uh, if they were going up against the Sixers. You have Ben Simmons who can— Eastern go, Conference. Who can, uh, Eastern Conference yeah. Finals uh, to go to the NBA Finals. I don't agree with you that the Bucks automatically would have went to the Finals because you do have Ben Simmons who could have possibly slowed down Giannis like Kawhi was able to in the uh, in the playoffs last year. And I don't think it was, you know, Kawhi is a fantastic defender, but so is Ben Simmons. And you do have Joel Embiid who can stop Giannis going to the lane as well. And I know Giannis put up like, what, 40-something points in, in one of their yeah, games or Giannis 50 points. Yeah, always had incredible individual performances, team mixed but, results. But that's the thing is they were pretty much like make everyone else beat us and that they could have went into the route of all right let's let Giannis beat us alone and shut down everybody else they could have done that as well I don't and know Giannis what, would have beat them in my mind hands like no I know you're saying like Ben Simmons is close like that's disrespect to Giannis like Giannis is the best per- like now that Kawhi is in the west Giannis is the best player in the east and it's like in my mind saying that like Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons is good but it's like ben putting Simmons him, in, a, the, putting him in the same discussion as Giannis is like when you try to I put said, people— No, I said defender. I didn't say I, know. I like, didn't say I would player. say Giannis is up here, Ben Simmons is down I here, said, not I, even in I the said ballpark. I was comparing Kawhi and Ben Simmons as defenders. 
going up against Giannis. And I think that while yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do We're, that Kawhi's good of a job— Kawhi's defense as, is also up here. That's what it was. Kawhi's up here. Ben Simmons is down here because Kawhi is on another fucking planet when it comes to defense. Like, it's almost like, hey, this guy's like Michael Jordan. It's like, yeah, but you know Michael Jordan was the best player of all did you, time. Did you hear me? Yeah. No. I, sa- I said that Ben Simmons is like wouldn't Kawhi have done Leonard. A gra- no, I said he wouldn't have done a great job like Kawhi Leonard did, but he would have done a good enough job, and especially with Joel Embiid protecting the rim, that they could have slowed down okay. Giannis a I, little bit more. I, mis- I misunderstood, thought you were putting I, 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 I'm not camp. saying that you know, Ben Ben isn't first team all defense and isn't defensive player of the year meant, you know level yet, but I do think he has that potential. And Ben Simmons does play very good defense. So I think that with the pairing of Joel Embiid, that that could have been helped. And even then, you add that. To that, mm-hmm. you add Al Horford, who plays phenomenal defense as well. So if that is the matchup that we see in the Eastern Conference Finals, I do think that Brett Brown and his coaching could help the 76ers and put them in a place to win. I'm not saying that they would win, but I don't think that Brett Brown would kill them like he did kill them in that Sixers, uh, in that uh, Celtics. Celtics series. Yeah. Like he did. I think that is a different coach, and I think he did learn from his mistakes, and that's what we wanted to see from that year into this year. That was his first time in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they exceeded the, all expectations the that year. Nobody had them going on yeah. an insane, like, what was it, a 26-2 and like two run or something? Mm-hmm. To I end think it was year. without Embiid, right? He was, he was like missing a good portion of it. Yeah, uh, it was it was incredible, and that's yeah, that's why I don't like. He, I understand he couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag during the Celtics series this year. Much better showing, but still concerns about. You have all the talent in the world now. There's literally no excuse mm-hmm. if you don't load management Joel Embiid throughout the year. If you don't figure out how to use Ben Simmons offensively. If you don't find out who your new closer is going to be for you games, can't lean because, on Jimmy because you lost Jimmy Butler. I mean, it, JJ Redick was more of their closer last year. And they don't no. have they, him they either. They looked a ton to him in the final. He took their final shot. And he don't have which game either. it was, but he took their final shot in that one. Jimmy game. Butler was Mr. Clutch. They doesn't matter. JJ's gone too. I'm going to say JJ, it third time. And, no, no. <laughs> and then <laughs> the final one is how's your bench going to work? Because mm-hmm. you've lost all the talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're down to Mike Scott, Ennis, and Beehive. Zaire Smith, and. Question marks. Uh, they have Kyle Quinn. I I I think they're. Ooh, Kyle Quinn. They're guys who could get minutes last year. And it's we, better than Amir Johnson. I mean, yeah, that's 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 a pretty fucking low bar. But, but, but it's still low bar. I, I I think that their their Under bench the can table. actually honestly be better this year than it was last year. We'll see. Because I mean, I know everybody got, loves. I'm just laying out. Those are the things he has to prove to yeah. me this year, and that's why I've got him as a middle of the road coach. I think he has the team to take this to a championship. The question is, is can he figure out how to use them and overcome? those gaps in order to get them there because i think that that is on him mm-hmm. all, all the all the talent in the world is on your team you need to well, figure out how to make that a championship team and the one thing i will agree with is like when you said oh well he uh, he actually out coached nick nurse or actually like went toe to toe with nick nurse but let's be honest nick nurse rookie isn't like coach. yeah exactly rookie head coach like he's not cream of the crop right now either i know he's in our top 10 we'll get to him later but like it's not like he was going up against Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr or any of the other top 10 coaches like a Doc Rivers. And I look at it and I go, you can say whatever you want about like Ben and Joel. I think if the Bucks would have played the Sixers in my pea-sized little head that the Bucks would have won. Just using – Just you. Well, it's a big head, big container for a tiny pea. Um, in oh, that brain gotcha. – I believe that the Bucks would have beaten the 76ers. And if that's the case, we would have looked at it and said, huh, Joel didn't play bad. Ben didn't play bad. Bad. Um, Giannis played really good. All right, who's the problem? 
and Brett Brown would have been seen as the problem and probably is the problem in my mind because he's going to, until he proves me wrong, he's not the guy to get him over the hump. Because he's not this the guy to get him to the finals. All the way back to the Warriors with your favorite fucking coach. Does it? But I was just, just saying, the la- even the last two years. I was just your analogy of the no. Steve Kerr comes in and brings oh, you to the promised no, land. Yeah, so that. you need to hire fucking, uh, no. fucking Steve Jackson. Who was his fucking coach? Uh, uh, what's in- Mark Jackson. Mark you Jackson. Know, was no, Mark it was not Mark Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. No. You're saying Mark Jackson is who. Oh, no. I'm no, not but even Ricky on the Mark Jackson for every coaching vacancy. Yeah, I'm not on the Mark Jackson train. Like, I am looking at. comparing Brett Brown to. You've done that before, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You said that he's the Mark Jackson. But right now, I am not saying that. I'm just saying he's not the guy. (laughs) Like three years in a row, you've been saying the same thing. But right now, I'm not using that analogy. I'm just saying what he's shown you and would have shown you last year if Kawhi didn't say, nah, I'm going to put you out of your misery um, and just let the shot be what you remember. I know the Philadelphia series, you said, like, oh, they didn't have Joel here, there. But Boston didn't have their team. They had their veterans were gone. It's like, oh, we're still going to. And I yeah, get but he learned from get, that series. I get he did. But still, I don't think what my point is, he's not enough to get them to the finals. Okay. This All discussion's right. not That's going it. anywhere. Uh, let's go to uh, one debate that we did have. We had uh, Terry Stotts and Brett Brown tying. Uh, the reason why we had uh, Terry Stotts above Brett Brown uh, was basically because Dave was like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to put Terry Stotts that low. Um, so he, he wanted to put him up anyway, so we just gave it to Terry Stotts there. Uh, but one that we did debate on was Kenny Atkinson versus Alvin Gentry. Uh, you guys said Atkinson over Gentry. I said Gentry over Atkinson. Um, let's get your take. Why is Kenny Atkinson uh, the 16th best to coach in the NBA? Develop young talent. Like We, we touched on it a little bit in that twenty through thir- or 21 through 30 segment. But when you have been given a, a roster of odds and ends and been told, make it work, he went out there and he's like, you know what? I've got a bunch of bunch of young, talented kids. Let's just roll deep. Let's roll. Everybody gets 20 minutes and we'll start there. And that's how you run with rosters that go 14 deep to try to find out who's the guy who deserves more minutes, who's got enough talent, pulling up guys from the G League and getting the most out of Spencer Dinwiddie turns out to be a fucking gem. The teams have passed over time and time again, even the Bulls, because we're idiots, and and didn't understand that, you know, a big rangy guard who can drive to the cup pretty well. I mean, I guess he's mm-hmm. okay. You know, he got paid. Joe Harris, one of the best three-pointers in the NBA. You know, let's, let's figure out how to get him into a rotation and make it work, because everybody else has just seen him as like, this guy's like garbage Cal Corbett. We'll give him four minutes a game. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. do you realize that he hits like four, like way mid forties for his threes? He's an incredible shooter. He had he plays with speed. Like it's he took the time to figure out what what's in this box. What can I use? How can I make this work? And then last year, one of the one of the best coaching jobs. As you lose a young budding star in Karis Levert, you pivot and go. All right, D'Angelo Russell, you haven't been able to play well with Spence. We're going to put Spence full-time off the bench. We're going to try to split the rotations up as much as possible so you don't have to worry about who gets the ball more in this situation mm-hmm. or that. You do you. You're a young all-star. Let or You're a young player who we got to turn into an all-star mm-hmm. basically by just let's let him roll with it. Let the kid play, and he did. He bumped up his miss incrementally over the year. He stepped up when Karras was out and became an all-star. Then we got to see them go for that playoff push at the end of the year in which you're putting Rodion's Kuroks in there as a linchpin because of his defense and his ability to go, you know, two through four on guys. It's just he found a way to make it work with the pieces he had. He's developed this roster. He he has an eye for talent and how, how to find the best out of them, how to move on from guys who don't deserve the spots like Ronda Hallis Jefferson. Yeah. Good player. Guess what? Doesn't fit the system. Going to cut his minutes. I don't want to, you know, 
dis, uh, put down anything that Kenny Atkinson has done because I do think he's done a good job. Yeah. I, I, I had him, like, right below. Uh, yeah, they're all incredible. Like, they're, they're, we had him very close. Yeah, I had Atkinson at uh, 18 and then Brett Brown at 15. Um, one thing, a reason why that was because Brett Brown, without his uh, main star in Joel Embiid, still beat Atkinson in five games in the playoffs. So we did see that yep. Atkinson wasn't ready yet for the playoffs. Yeah. And with that as well, to go with the Atkinson thing, you're talking about the players that he was using. I, I, I do think that he did a good job with development, but also I do think a lot of that's on Sean Marks. I think Sean Marks oh, has done absolutely. a fantastic job at finding that talent. Yeah. And Atkinson has definitely elevated it a little bit, but... I, I think you see that, you know, him taking Karis LeVert at 22, him finding Rodionis in the draft as well, yep. him going out and taking a chance at Spence, him taking a shot at um, uh, Joe Harris, him taking, uh, you know, going after and getting Jared Allen as well. Finding Ed Davis off the, off the, the pile. The D'Lo trade as well. Yep. Like, he has made great moves to put that talent on that team. Yeah. And Atkinson obviously tanked a little bit in his first two years. That team wasn't good. And he, I think they took that big of a jump because of Atkinson. I, yep. I think they, they, they were helped by Atkinson. But I also think strictly the talent that was given to him by Sean Marks was absolutely huge. Where you look at New Orleans, they just fired their GM. They couldn't keep they Anthony got, Davis the guy there because who we thought was like a top fifteen GM in the league. Yeah, David who, Griffin, who got and ran and out and of not, town on some bullshit. Huh? Like when he left with Cleveland. Oh, okay. like we yeah. all expected. Like this guy's gonna get picked up in a heartbeat for sure. anybody with a brain. But, but even before that, Alvin Gentry wasn't dealing with that. He was dealing yeah. with Dell Depps, who didn't know how to trade for Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis then was totally out for last year. But we look at the year before, yep. and we look at the job that he did, shutting down the team that just went to the Western Conference Finals in Dame and, and CJ and the uh, Trailblazers, and he yeah. did a fantastic job game planning that with Rajon Rondo and with Drew Holiday, and that's the biggest part that I want to go at. Alvin Gentry, you want to talk about player development? Alvin Gentry, I know Drew Holiday was a top 10 pick, and it wasn't like he was, you know, bottom piled, he bouncing around yeah. through teams. He went from Philadelphia to New Orleans, but he went from just a guard that was pretty decent to a top 25 player. Drew right. Holiday is massively underrated, and he took a, a big step, I think, because of Alvin Gentry. And I think Alvin Gentry now with this team and the way that he coaches defense and the way that, you know, he coaches and puts guys, you know, puts a ton of, uh, uh, he makes guys take their blame. Like he, he is very pretty much like, all right, you own fuck. up to your shit. Yeah, ugh, own up. Uh, he makes guys own up for a shit. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that Alvin Gentry was dealt a pretty bad hand last year, and it got out of hand and unraveled pretty quickly when the AD stuff happened. But if he had a decent team and AD was out there, I still thought that was a playoff team. So I think now that you give him the talent like JJ Redick, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Derek Favors, um, all the Jackson players Hayes. that Jackson Hayes, all these players that they got. I do think that this is a, going to be a very good team, and I think they're going to be elevated to that next level because of Alvin Gentry. So I, I do think that Kenny Atkins has done a phenomenal job, but I think Alvin Gentry has been dealt a worse hand due to the ownership that he has had to deal with, just the changes between Benson to his wife and, and dying. Not not saying that they're bad owners. Yeah, no, 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 um, you know, it's been difficult just, just dealing with that transition. Yep. And then obviously the Dell Demps situation, where Dell Demps wasn't that great of a GM. And now having to go with David Griffin, who I think is going to put Alvin Gentry in a it's better situation. Masterful job already. Um, but he had the, the difference is he had a star and he couldn't find a way to win. In my mind, you know, they had to bring in Boogie, basically, who unfortunately we didn't get to see mm -hmm. the, two of the best big men in the NBA in this generation play together, which the, is a shame. An argument that I would accept is you look at what Buddy Hield's doing now with the Kings and what oh he was doing God. with the Pelicans. That would be absolutely <laughs> fair. That, but yeah. that was fair. I mean, it's just a fact of if. If you aren't able to build around a star mm -hmm. and run offense, which, again, I don't want to rehash the last segment, but, like, 
that that's a that's a big problem in my mind when you have generational talent and you can't find a way to win games for them. And I understand, Ricky, you mentioned this this is kind of leaning into a front office mm-hmm. head coach combo situation a little bit here, but I'm wondering what he's going to do with his uber talented young spooky roster. Like he has, I mean, you read off the list of names and outside of Drew Holiday, you just scream the word potential, 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 and. I don't know what to. I don't know what he's going to do with all this. Yeah. Because I haven't seen him take a young player and elevate them to that level. Like Anthony Davis came in as a bona fide stud. Yeah. Like he didn't. I mean, yes, he made Anthony Davis better, but like I'm not giving him the credit for it. I'm giving Anthony Davis the credit for it. My thing is, Drew Holiday. I agree. He took Drew Holiday from a B player to an A minus. Like he he moved him legitimately into the top upper up echelon of the NBA as far but as those guards go. He's to, one of the to best. To counter that, which young players has he had and failed on? I mean, I understand the Buddy Heald thing, but also yeah. he didn't get a full season of Buddy Heald. Right. They traded him for Demarcus Cousins like midway through the season. So I don't know if they fully got the, I'm just the saying, whole anybody Buddy Heald experience. Team. Anybody. And meanwhile, but here's, Kenny here's, Atkinson's taking guys from the G League, taking mm-hmm. guys who've been traded, passed up. Picked up mm-hmm. on, you but know, he had, agency. he had two years to deal with them before. Where you're looking at these guys that Ten, were like, you look at yeah. you look at the team that were like 2016-2017 team. Yep. These are the team guys that started the the five most games. Eighty, all right, mm-hmm. great player, obviously. Solomon Hill, right? Ooh, spooky. Like this guy is not great. Yeah. Drew Holiday, Buddy Hill played 37 games before he was traded. Then Dante Cunningham. Then you look at the 2017-18 season. Drew Holiday, each one more. This is the team that went to the playoffs. Three more. Drew Holiday, three one more. Yep. AD, Rajon Rondo, Demarcus Cousins, and that team went to the playoffs yeah, and was forty eight and thirty four. That's a, talented. That's yeah. a very good starting five, mm-hmm. right? You give him a starting five, he could take him to the playoffs, right? Right. And I, and I don't think he's had that opportunity to take young players and really develop them. And the guys that he has obviously have been generational talent. Like obviously AD, it's hard to fuck that up. And, and Drew Holiday is a guy that you know see. wasn't generational, but he was a a fairly high pick. But he was been able to take him from a guy that was like a 14-point game score to a 21-point game score last year and a two-way monster. So I don't think he's had the full chance of a D'Angelo Russell reclamation progress or a— That's uh, the thing. Like, he got—like, this will be his year to figure out, can he work with young talent and mold them into something special, mm-hmm. yeah. or is he only good when given good pieces? And that that's my thing, is Kenny Atkinson can work with mm-hmm. very little and make it very good, but now we're going to see, can he work with— Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, the egos. potentially Carmelo Anthony, and manage that. Like, well, that's the thing. Alvin Gentry failed at managing a locker room with a mm-hmm. superstar. And I, I understand we haven't seen anything like Rich Paul hit an NBA locker room before Rich Paul hit an NBA <laughs> locker room. But it, it's almost like a nice flip-flop. It's mm-hmm. Now we see Alvin Gentry with a young group and potential, and we're going to yeah. see Kenny but Atkinson trying think, to manage egos. Do you think in, that AD left because of Alvin Gentry? I think he left because of the front office. I don't. Because I don't he think didn't. he had anything I think horribly against Elvin Gentry. I think he left because they couldn't win with him there. And he wanted well, to play that's with a, that's, a, that's a mark against him. I think, but I, I don't think it is a mark against him because if, if they kept Boogie and Boogie didn't injured, I think AD would have stayed. I don't and, know. And AD, I, AD obviously was ring chasing, and he was coming off that injury, and then he 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 ditched town, and AD's like, "Well, there's nothing for he, me to, for for me to do here because I can't win a title." Well, let me jump in, and, and I don't how, think that's on Alvin Gentry. How it is for me? How I see? I'm going to start with the AD thing. Yeah. I'm going to use an analogy. Imagine AD and the Pelicans like a boyfriend and girlfriend, and then LeBron James comes along, and he's the in this case since we're guys, I'll say the boyfriend. Some girl comes along. And starts feeding this guy, feeding him, feeding his head. She's not good for you. I can be better. Look what we can do. That's what LeBron was. And AD eventually just was like, hey, 
you know what? He's he's right, and I'm going to leave you, try to distance myself from you to go over to this one. That's how I see the AD situation. So in an Alvin Gentry thing, it's not his fault that AD left. AD was an asshole in the situation and handled the situation wrong. But when we get to Gentry, this is what I kind of think. goes into what you said, Dave. How is he going to develop this young talent? Because if he can't, and let's say it is the side that you said where it's like, man, Gentry's just a guy, if you give him someone good, he can coach him to playoffs, but he can't develop the young talent. If that's the case, this year could be a year similarly to like his fourth year in Detroit, his, what, fifth year in Phoenix, his third year in L.A. Not saying he gets fired midseason because the Pelicans won't do that, but it could be a end-of-the-year situation where if it's on the side of like, hey, we need someone to come in and develop these guys, Alvin Gentry could be, in my mind, a prime coach to maybe lose his job at the end of the year because of where the direction of the team is. Take that as a knock against them. Take it as not a knock against I them. Think it, That's it, just where I'm sitting. Whereas you Atkinson could also this year I has to that deal if, with the veterans now. But then if Atkinson fails with a veteran team and stars like Kyrie Irving that are expecting to win, mm-hmm. if he has a down season, he's also a prime candidate to get fired. Sounds. I don't think they'll fire Atkinson after this year because if he doesn't, let's say they make the playoffs if, low and if get him bounced and, in If the him first and Kyrie round. don't mesh, who's getting fired? Well, they'll... This year's the because of Katie's injury, it's the honeymoon year in my mind with Atkinson and the Nets. It's going to be you know what we expect playoffs now. If they miss the playoffs and Kyrie's healthy, then that's you a know different you could break up on a honeymoon. What you know you could break up on a honeymoon. You can, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think like what if the husband fucks the maid? Like boom, yeah, divorce. But I don't think that's going to happen here, Sean. It's Kyrie um, Irving. And I know Kyrie's the wild wild the wild card here, um, but I just I feel like. It's after next season that we start judging Atkinson on a harder scale because Durant will be there. If if this team goes to the playoffs, the Pelicans go to the playoffs, I I honestly think that um, this could be Alvin Gentry moving up the board and going into Mm -hmm. a top 10 coach. I I do think he he has that potential. I just don't think that he had a a great season last year just due to the AD stuff, and I I do think that he's a guy that can definitely bounce back. Um, I I loved what he did against the the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, I did too. Maybe that's too much in my mind, but... He did a fantastic job, and if you give him talent, I do think that he will be able to do with it well. Maybe the the youth will be an issue, and and we see that the team that I was talking about was you know veteran guys that were in their fourth, fifth years, or even yep. longer, especially with Rondo. Um, but we'll have to see. Let's move to a, a different side of this, and let's hit the top of the list. I don't understand why Dwayne Casey's so high on this list. He won Coach of the Year. Congratulations. I don't really care that much about that. Dwayne Casey, <laughs> I, I I don't understand why he's above. Brett Brown. I don't understand why he's above Kenny Atkins. I don't above why understand why he's above Alvin Gentry. I do not get this. Um, he just wins games. That's that that you don't get that. Like I, it, he went from a Raptors team where he worked with these young guys, built them up, and I understand. And they the, fired the playoff, him because they knew that they had they a better the coach in on the bench in Nick Nurse. No, the the, the team couldn't take the step rolling it back. They and couldn't that's get the thing. into a modern era under Dwayne Casey, and the guy that was doing that and pushing that forward yes. was obviously Masai Ujiri and then the bench coach and Nick Nurse. And that's why yeah. they were like, well, obviously Dwayne Casey Nick doesn't have this. It revolutionized yeah. his team. It got, Dwayne, it got um, DeMar DeRozan to shoot threes. Like It changed the way they play, and it changed their level of success. I, I don't disagree with that, but Dwayne Casey on his own still is an incredible coach, and all he's done since he got to the NBA was make the Raptors better year over year over year. 
and I understand you ran into the brick wall that is LeBron James, but I'm sorry, there's not a whole lot you can do about that mm-hmm. when you have the level of talent that he had. So I look at, okay, he goes to Detroit. Fresh start. Well, your point guard's out for the start for half the year, basically, mm-hmm. and we all hate him anyway. Like, I'll just be blatantly <sighs> unbiased yeah, in this like situation. Reggie. Reggie is not exactly a team player. Um, and you just have to lean incredibly heavily on Blake Griffin. And guess what? He turned Blake Griffin into an MVP candidate. Like, he went... He was. He was top five, wasn't he? I'm, but that's not, Blake that's decides, not Blake being healthy. Blake Blake is a generational talent. The reason Blake he, was he went, an incredible athlete, and then one he learned to shoot on top of that. But he was shooting in, He was shooting under Doc. I give Blake's progression more to I'm Doc just, than I do Dwayne Casey. I, I give it to Blake at this point. But like, that's fair my, too. My point I, but is I don't just give it to he, Dwayne he understands how to get this team to win games. He he just gets how teams need to win games, and that's what I'm saying. He's like, okay, who's my best player? Blake Griffin. Guess what? My point guard's hurt. Blake Griffin's now my point guard. Did that work for everybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blake Griffin Did- decides to have one of the best seasons ever. Yeah. Shoots like seven threes a game. Tons of assists throughout the year. I mean, he just do it all. It's and my, that's the thing. It's my favorite stat. The only three players to average 24, 7, and 5 were Giannis, LeBron, and Blake. But yeah. I don't, I don't, but I think that's more of Blake. And I just, I fucking love Blake. Oh, I do too. But you don't get that if you don't put the players and the system in the right place. And I think Dwayne Casey is just one of those guys who just gets it. And that's why I give him the credit is he makes the best out of the talent he's got. He may not put you over the edge, and I will that mm-hmm. that will keep him out of the top ten from my end. But the thing is, is we're gonna have to see this year how he manages, you know, splitting time with Derrick Rose out there. They've got a couple of young, interesting pieces. But what's the expectation in the East? Can you run it back? Can Blake Griffin be healthy for a whole year well, so and then, carry you? Like, is, is Casey, Andre Drummond a bum who can only rebound? <laughs> is Casey then the dividing line of guys that can take you to a championship and guys that can get you to the playoffs? On my list, because if, if we're looking at our cumulative no, list, got we got Spolstra, McMillan above him, Nurse, Carlisle. Those guys are at least championship level coaches. The only one that I don't think has won a championship would be uh, Malone, Snyder, D'Antoni, um, and McMillan. Yeah. Outside of that, all those other guys have won titles. Correct. So would that be the dividing line then of, of guys that can get you to the playoffs that you know probably won't win you like be the guys that win you titles? Mm-hmm. Before I answer the answer my question is yes, but before I give him the reason, I'm going to throw this little caveat into, and I'm not going to get into it now because it's a tease. I'm going to get into it in the one through ten because I got to bring Rick Carlisle in for this conversation, and I want to leave that for one through ten. But to answer the question, yeah, because if I look at my rankings. Besides Casey and Carlisle, who I'll get into next one, after that it's McMillan, Spolstra, Stotts, Atkinson. Above Casey are all guys who are coaches that are like, okay, they're going to be in the fight with their team to make the finals and win championships. So I would say exactly. He is the dividing line of like, I rag on Brett Brown for being the guy that's not going to get the Sixers over the edge. But I just know Dwayne Casey's that guy, and I'm okay with it right now if I'm a Pistons fan because for the last two years, especially last year, so Brett you were Brown, out of you getting more credit if he was coaching the Pistons. I mean, yeah, if you probably, get, I found that ridiculous, and made the playoffs, and I mean, it's just Dwayne Casey has had more shots the, at the playoffs and consistently was getting left at the door every the single ex- year, being the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Brett Brown has never been up to that status, and Brett mm-hmm. Brown in his second year. Push the NBA Finals champions to a last-second shot. If that shot doesn't go in, Sixers possibly are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. On the we don't ran- know what could happen. On the Bucks, ranking Sixers. side, I will get it. I want to get into it right now, but I'm biting my tongue. I'm going to get into it in the next segment. For this one, 
I am just saying, based off of what I've seen, he is right there fringe 10-11. And if I'm a Pistons fan, a thing that plays into it is, where's the timeline of this team? And he fits the timeline of this Pistons team right now. Because you also had the Magic, the... Oh, I have to freaking look at the standings because I didn't have it off the top of my head. You had the Magic that were not in the playoffs uh, two years ago, made the playoffs. The Nets were a new playoff team. Pistons were a new playoff team. And I know the Wizards fell off. I know that, like, Miami didn't have mm-hmm. our... They were a different team they missed last year. Exactly. Year. Like, those were the two teams that fell out. And, of course, Cleveland not having LeBron, like, opened up three slots. But yep. it's like, you were able to in my mind, bring this team to the playoffs and not necessarily get bumped. If they would have got bumped by Miami and wouldn't have made the playoffs, I'm looking at them What if they don't make the playoffs this year? If they don't make it this year, then he'll be lower on my rankings next year. And I'm going to get into that in the next segment. I'm biting my tongue because I don't want to bring Kyle out. I don't think Casey's the reason why that they made it to the playoffs. And you could say, well, they they had Blake last year and and they they still make the playoffs, but they they finally had Blake for a full year. And I think having that type of talent pushed them over the edge, uh, mm-hmm. where Kenny Atkinson upped that talent to the, the next level, where he didn't have a, a player like Blake and, and got him to the playoffs. Uh, Elvin Gentry didn't well, had that type of player, but I think he he got them to the second round and got he them moving the on as a six seed. Um, I, I just think that some guys have proven it a little bit more than that. But if Dwayne Casey's my head coach, I feel like there's a really good chance within a year or two my team's going to be a lock in the playoffs. Like it's mm-hmm. just it's going to happen. You're not you're not necessarily a championship contender team, but not and this and is that's not, not really bad, bad though. Not every team can win a championship every mm-hmm. year, and I think Detroit's a team that's happy. That's hey, we're really good. We're making the playoffs. We're consistently fighting for it. That's about where their expectations are at. All right. Well, let's. I, I think the discussion of you know guys that can put you over the edge is is, is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's just give shout outs to uh, Nate McMillan, Eric Spolstra. Um, Spol obviously hasn't had a ton of talent on his team. Um, hasn't had those top five players or top twenty players since LeBron, D Wade, and Bosh left. But now he finally gets a at least top twenty player in Jimmy Butler. What are you looking from Spolstra and Butler this year? At playoffs. Like I know that sounds probably like real, Ricky, you're setting the bar that low, but yep. this is a team that didn't make the playoffs. Jimmy comes in. If you don't make the playoffs, then shit's gonna hit the fan. You need to make the playoffs at the least if you're the Heat. I mean, you just need to make sure Jimmy Butler doesn't blow up. That's he'll do the rest. Jim, Jimmy's Winslow. gotta like it. If Jimmy don't like it, you won't like it. Yeah, he's been like Spoles has been given a middling roster for the last couple of years because how do you recover after the damage that happens post-LeBron James era? The nuclear. Right? It, it, it is. It takes a little time to clean up house, and unfortunately when your front office refuses to uh, do the unthinkable thing and, you know, tank, you know, <laughs> you're going to just end up with a bunch of mid-range guys who are who are good, not great, maybe not enough talent to carry you, but, you know, they're good enough. And he did work well. Like Josh Richardson was discovered there, played really well. They've got a couple of young pieces who are interesting, but... I look at him as someone who now he's got a star again. Let's see, can he elevate this team back to the playoffs? Should be easy, but in all reality, it's just control the locker room. Control the locker room, control the messaging, control the media. Like, can he be an all-around head coach and run his own shop? Because everybody wants to give him the knock for, well, it's just Pat Riley's pawn. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think everybody in this room is on the same page and saying, like, no, he's proven he's more than that. He's grown. Mm -hmm. 
But like this will be a huge step for him with an ego like Jimmy Butler in that locker room. Yeah, and the next guy I want to talk about is Nick McMillan. The job that this guy has done in the past two years as the Pacers coach has been honestly slept on yeah. and fascinating. You look at what Boyan Bogdanovich became underneath Nate McMillan, what they did without Victor Oladipo last year. This guy deserves so much mm-hmm. fucking credit. And it sucks that I can't put him top 10, but it's just because the guys that are above him are guys that I think their teams can win championships because of them. Yeah. Um, now, the one guy that you could probably make the argument against would be D'Antoni. He hurt their chances of winning uh, a, a, a finals that one year just because they were like, he wasn't just like step inside the arc, you know, <laughs> missing 27 straight threes. Yeah. But outside yeah. of that, D'Antoni almost took down the the greatest team of all time yeah. uh, in in the playoffs because of what they were doing uh, you know, with, with their style. And he's pretty much revolutionized the game. And he saw what James Harden could do yeah. best. And he turned James Harden into an MVP. Um, so I, I, I see what D'Antoni does. And I, I don't think he's done. M- McMillan's done that great of a job uh, like D'Antoni's done. But Nate McMillan definitely deserves credit he for what he's done. He took a young roster and exceeded all expectations. Like, we were all laughing at the Paul George trade. And I remember the reactions were like, I don't know, I mean, like Victor Oladipo was a good, not great player. Maybe he gets an opportunity to be his own guy and he'll he'll get a little bit better. He became a star overnight under Nick McMillan. And then it's like, okay, well, Miles Turner, he has gotten better. Uh, won't ever get recognition because defense doesn't do that. But, like, he's a, he's a good defender. You've got good other pieces. And like you said, the carry job by that team post-Oladipo injury truly impressed a lot of the league and i'm glad that we've got him you know right outside that upper echelon of coaches mm-hmm. ricky you got thoughts on nate for me i mean <laughs> i honestly don't uh for me it's just he's just good it's just he's right there right mm-hmm. there under the top tier of the top 10 analysis all right let's wrap <laughs> it up and uh, let's bring in jake uh you let us know your thoughts on 11 through 20 uh ricky hitting us hard with those nicky mcmillan thoughts uh let us know your thoughts on nick mcmillan down in the comments below but let's jump into the final topic and that is clearly one through ten ranking the nba coaches and we're going to welcome on our buddy jake onto the podcast before we hear from our friend jake it's been a it's been a while we're excited to hear from him uh we're going to go through our rankings ricky start us off one through ten well starting off at number ten the guy we talked about last segment Dwayne casey of the pistons then at number nine nick four bounce nurse um then at eight mike d'antoni of the houston rockets at seven doc rivers with his new gifts on the clippers then at five brad stevens or six brad stevens five is quinn snyder four is mike malone three is greg popovich two is steve kerr and one is mike budenhoser yikes dave give us your one through ten <sighs> how do i follow up that uh you with accuracy and number 10 i've got rick carlisle nine brad stevens eight nick nurse seven doc rivers six the psychopath quinn snyder five mike malone four mike dan antoni three steve kerr two mike budenhoser and one pop and then one through 10 for me at 10 nick nurse at nine mike d'antoni eight mike malone seven brad stevens six steve kerr five rick carlisle Four, American Psycho, Quinn Snyder. Three, Mike Budenholzer. Two, Doc Rivers. And number one, Greg Popovich. And for our cumulative rankings, at number 10, Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. Nine, Rick Carlisle of the Dallas Mavericks. Eight, Brad Stevens of the Boston Celtics. Seven, Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. Six, Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. 
Five, Doc Rivers of the Los Angeles Clippers. Four, Quinn, Snyder's, uh, Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. Uh, Chicago accent. Quinn Snyder's of the uh, Utah Jazz coming out. Three, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors. Two, Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks. And one, San Antonio Spurs head coach, Greg Pop- Popovich, and arguably the greatest coach of all time, Greg Popovich, finally coming in at number one after Brad Stevens was our number one coach last year. Thank you to Ricky and Dave for giving him that credit last year. You're welcome. Jake, jump in. What do you think about our uh, our one through ten? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be the glaring uh, question that's going to go around is how the hell is the greatest coach of all time number three in rookies ratings, rankings? That's that's going to be the glaring one. And then the other of one that time? really, yeah, the all of all time. The guy who takes, the one that takes me back is the fact that two people don't have Doc Rivers as a top five coach. Thank you. I, I need I need explanations on that one. And, but no, you have Rick Carlisle at number five, so you also have problems. Well, here's here's the thing, and, but, and this is what Ricky wanted to get into, and, and I, 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 I will say, I think Rick Carlisle is a top ten coach, and I did that strategically because I knew that Rick Carlisle would have been bounced. So I put Rick Carlisle top five, so he would have been top ten. So I think he's a top ten coach, but I knew you guys so disrespect Rick Carlisle every single year. So I needed well, to make sure it was the same thing with Favors. Favors is a great player. I needed to make sure Favors was as high as possible so he can get the most amount of respect because I know you guys are sleeping on him. So let's jump into it. What was the point that you wanted to make from last uh, well, it, eleven through twenty? And it's not Carlisle. It's and this is the thing that pisses me off about these rankings. And it, I kind of stepped back of it a little bit because you were kind of doing what I was doing. Like when I had Pop so low last year, I had him at six. Well, the reason I had Pop so low is so that Steve Kerr could be number two and Popovich wasn't two in our final rankings. But the thing that, like, I think we've had some inconsistencies in these rankings where, in my mind, these are supposed to be for rankings of the upcoming year. So Mm -hmm. with Carlisle, I don't see him as a top ten coach this year. And the reason why is what he's done in the past does not matter as much. It's not a legacy ranking. It's a coming into this year, and based off of the team that he's had, yes, the potential is there, but to me, he's right outside the top 10 this year, whereas last year coming in, I probably even should have had him in the top 10 because these rankings like should be coming into this year, not a legacy ranking. We even got a comment about that. Like, Are these legacy or are these coming into this year? Even with that, it's it's based on what they've done throughout their whole career going into this year. If we're doing that, then then why why isn't Frank Vogel in the top 10? Because he's going to be a playoff coach. Why isn't Luke Walton, who we're talking about, the Mm -hmm. Kings possibly going to the playoffs, why isn't he in the top 10? I don't understand that. I think that so there's inconsistency throughout this. Why isn't Brett Rick, Brown a top 10 coach? Rick Carlisle, and that's what I'm saying. Rick we Carlisle, cheer, we like, and with me, I try to keep it coming into this year, but it's like we cherry pick when we want to talk about legacy and when no, we I don't. No, I disagree. Rick Carlisle, I think, is a top 10 coach every single year, and he proved it. And he proved it last year. And you might say, well, this team was you know horrible. This team mm-hmm. was a, a top 10 pick in the NBA uh, draft last year. But that doesn't mean he coached poorly. Look at that roster that he had. Look what he did to make sure Luka Doncic was doing the best that he could out there. He was putting J.J. Barea out there, even though Dennis Smith was a top 5 pick. He didn't care about that. He knew that Luka Doncic was the star of this team, and he knew that he needed to play J.J. Barea with him the most because because that was what the playstyle fit best with Luka Doncic's playstyle. Play Same thing when J.J. went down. He made sure that Jalen Brunson was out there. There was no talent on that Dallas Mavericks team. And we were talking about them midway through the season being a playoff team. That's on Rick Carlisle. There is a one player that is a star on that team. He's 19 years old. Rick Carlisle did a... Who's the other star? Christoph Spurs. Wasn't on the team. Before before the trade deadline, he wasn't oh. on the team when they were a playoff team. Or Honestly, close to before being a the trade team. deadline, he was because he got well, traded. Uh, take- Technically, not a, not playing at a star level, but Dirk was still a star, you know. 
Well, don't right, give you, him a Dirk mention. I don't, look, this segment's already hard enough. If you get Sean going on a Dirk roll, I can't. Dirk last year was clearly not Dirk. So was he a top I, ten power was, forward? It Jesus. was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, but that's that's my thing. Is like this team this team looked fantastic before the the they started trading away Harrison Barnes and and you know getting Chris Tapps for Zingas, but Chris Tapps couldn't even play last year. Mm-hmm. Before they started playing trading away their veterans, this team was close to a playoff spot, and that is largely due to the job that Rick Carlisle does every single year. Rick Carlisle has taken this team that has been low-level talent without star-level talent without outside of Dirk Nowitzki, and Dirk Nowitzki's been old for years now, to consistently getting them to a competitive position, more than competitive than they should. And that's what good coaches do. Rick Carlisle deserves credit for what he's done in Dallas for the past couple of years. I, I don't understand this. I just, for me, with my rankings, I look at it to where I'm going to start at five because that's where you had them. And we kind of... We agree, but kind of disagree. We're like Doc and Quinn Snyder I have in the top ten, so I believe they're above um, Carlisle, but like I have Malone, who I would put above him. I have Brad Stevens, I think, is a better coach. I think D'Antoni, or Dan Antoni, is a better coach. Nick Nurse, like Nick Nurse, Dwayne Casey, that's where maybe the debate comes in. If you're going to have Rick Carlisle, that's why I like where he is in our cumulative, because I think 9 and 10 is probably... The highest, but like if you have Rick Carlisle at five, you are blatantly going off of his entire career, and but, that's not what this is. But if you give him the co- the team that Mike D'Antoni has, if you give mm-hmm. him the team that Quinn Snyder has, if you give him the team that Brad Stevens has, if you give him the team that Mike Malone has, I do think that Rick Carlisle can be as successful, if not more successful, than those coaches. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going off of legacy because legacy does matter because you have to see what they've done throughout their entire career. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he raises the level of his teams consistently. And I think he can do that. And even though he's not going to the playoffs, he's won a championship before. And that's because he is a good coach. Good coaches, weirdly enough, win championships. Unless they're carried by these massively great talents like LeBron. Ty Lue was carried by LeBron mm-hmm. James. But Dirk was fantastic in that finals. But Rick Carlisle made sure that Dirk was in the best positions each and every year. And they also made sure that the LeBron James and D. Mm-hmm. Wade and Chris Bostrain were slowed down. And that's because of Rick Carlisle. So if you're saying that... You know, Mike Malone has shown that he can win a championship. He clearly cannot yet. If you're saying that Brad Stevens can win a championship, clearly he proved with Kyrie Irving and and Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum that he cannot win a championship yet. With uh, with Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni has been around forever and didn't make the necessary changes to help his team win a championship. The what two years ago when they went 0 for 27 in a row uh, from three. This was a guy that did not make the necessary adjustments to make sure his team won games. If Chris Paul went down for Rick Carlisle in the playoffs, Rick Carlisle probably would have helped them win that game and get to the the NBA Finals for the Houston Rockets. I believe Rick Carlisle could be doing this if he had the talent. My thing is is he hasn't had the talent to do so. All I'm hearing is he's got a ring, he's got a ring, he's got a ring. Because he's a good coach. uh, That's all I'm hearing. You can be a good coach and not have a great team. I think that's where Sean's going with this. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that I, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's interesting that we look at it this way because you look at the guys who are at the top of this list, and it almost reads like playoff seeding at times. Because Greg Popovich, twenty years of the playoffs in a row, right, or somewhere oh very mm-hmm. very close to that. Uh, Bud successful at the Hawks, successful with the Bucks. Now again playoffs. Steve Kerr playoffs. Quinn Snyder playoffs. 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 That's the entire top ten. Yes, the, the, there's not a coincidence here that every team in the playoffs has a coach who is represented here. My thing is Rick Carlisle is literally like the asterisk on this list because if you look at everybody else, you know, everybody else is a playoff team. 
The only guy who's outside of the playoffs, you have Kenny Eckerton, Brett Brown, are way down there on the on our list. Outside of that, no. It's fine because mm-hmm. you look back a couple of years and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, we had Elvin Gentry as a top 10 head coach after his performance. <laughs> reactionary? Yes. I like the sticker from Jake. And, and it's deserved because it's like we were reactionary and we thought, look, he can keep this rolling and this yeah. team can be monsters for, for a couple of years in a row. But I look at Rick Carlisle, I, I do tend to agree with you on the fact that he can get a lot of these players. And I, uh, I was having a talk with somebody, I can't remember their name, going back and forth about how Luca wouldn't be the same Luca we saw this past year had he landed on a different team. Mm-hmm. Had we seen Suns Luca or Kings Luca, what would, you know, like, how would he have looked? Like, Luca's still an amazing talent and best player under 20 by far, but it's still the question mark of, like, how good could he have been? Mm-hmm. Could he have been a 25 and 5 player? Could he have been, you know, a, we were saying the bar low going into the season. I was like, yeah, like, I think Luca easily can come in and do like 15, 5 and 5. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where he'll be, like, floor level. And he came and just blew out all expectations because he had a coach and a system. Hey, Dave, that hold surrounded... my bear. That's well, what he did. Yeah, he had a coach and system that bought into, like, literally, I think a week into, like, his summer camp. It was like, Carl, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is incredible. I can't believe we got this guy. I, yeah. I cannot believe it. I, everything around him. That's the answer. Everything is around him. And that's, that's the realization of coach who understands what player he needs to focus on and understands how to put the right guys around him to get the most out of the entire team mm-hmm. to make sure that player gets the best. And that, that, that's, I give him the credit for it. Jake, He's a bear, terrible team right now, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Jake, jump in here. Yeah, I just threw up in my mouth thinking of Sons Luca. That, that, <laughs> You're welcome. that one would have been ugly. You're welcome. But the other coach I wanted to talk about was Steve Kerr because, I mean, obviously he's 2-3 and three on two of the list, but then Sean, who's usually the Steve Kerr defender on the podcast, has him all the way down at number six. He, Sean already like invalidated his ranking, saying he put Carlisle at five to fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if I was putting Kerr on the list, I'd probably put him uh, below Doc, above Budenholzer. Yeah, well, it just because Ricky was just talking about how it's for the upcoming year, and he has Steve Kerr at two. Yeah, Steve Kerr's team probably isn't going to be a top four seed in the West this year. So why is he at number two? Is it because the rings in the past? Even though we just said that, well, you just said that rings wouldn't matter in the past. It's for the upcoming season. No, for me, I put Steve Kerr at number two because, yes, that team's going to be depleted this year, but they're going to be a team at the end of the year, watch it, where they're not going to be one or two, but it's going to be like, damn, how did Steve Kerr get this team to the playoffs? Because many people are writing them off. Hey, this could be the year the Warriors don't make the playoffs. I have not heard anyone say that. Isn't isn't that what Greg Popovich did last year, though, getting the Spurs to the playoffs? I have him at three. Probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. I have him at three. It's I'm not really low on Popovich. Was I like next year? Like I think with Greg Popovich, it's when you get to these top three, it's Kerr and Popovich are basically which flavor, vanilla or chocolate, which one you like better. And then when me, Budenholzer, I think he's it's chocolate or urine. But oh, come on, <laughs> that's disrespectful. That's when you're comparing Popovich, Popovich is LeBron level. That's I, what I'm saying. I, I, I he is LeBron level. Not it's Jordan. not even close. That's, that's great. He knows it's not Jordan yeah. level. He's LeBron level. It's Phil. Yeah, it's Phil. Um, <laughs> I would take Pop. Question marks all around. I think for me, the difference maker comes down to the, this: the Spurs team. It's just it won't die like mm-hmm. that. That's that's twenty two straight years. Twenty two straight years. Since I was born, they've made the playoffs. Exactly. They're they're incredible. I was zero years old when the Spurs made the playoffs. And it's you and gotta count for injuries throughout all of that. You gotta count for everything that came up in between the teams they had to go up against in the West. Like yes, they had 
they haven't had success every year in the playoffs, but they've mm. got multiple rings. They've had legacies. They've got a, an all-time lineup that is to be rivaled. And, and I look at Steve Kerr, and I'm like, this mm-hmm. guy, absolutely. I, I, I still think top three. I think you're if you put him at three or four, fine. But like, he's the guy who realized that the key to success was Draymond Green. He, he and that's mm-hmm. what I think this year is. Draymond Green is going to be the guy again. So you're going to have. MVP Steph Curry went healthy, and then Draymond Green doing well, some heavy carry. And, and I just want to throw in there. When I you, think Steve Kerr's going to make the most out of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bashing Steve Kerr again. I just think he called they, him urine. Well, did. I was saying compared to Popovich, he called him urine. That's compared still to disrespectful, Popovich. I think. But like the thing, and when you say the 20 years of, and that goes back to my point that I was making earlier. How far back do you go? For me, with these rankings, a couple years, if any, because 20 years ago was way different than right now. I and understand is that. Is this legacy or all time? And coming into okay. this year, let me just explain. Popovich, it's a different team that he's coached before. Steve Kerr has showed me consistently with this Warrior team over the past few years how he can change with adversity. That's why I have him the highest. And then Buddenhoser, I know it's only one year, but he seems to be, in my mind, the linchpin that if Nick Nurse and the Raptors didn't play so well after those first two games because they just outplayed the Bucks after that, Budenhoser is the linchpin to get the most out of the Bucks. that I think they'll be a finals team this year and could win the finals this year with the absentee Warriors not being there. That's my mindset okay. one through three of my rankings. I'm going to go to this last year first before mm-hmm. I go to a, a swap or anything like yeah. that. Let's look at last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who was the most successful low-seeded team last year? The Clippers. The Spurs. Were they? No, it was the Spurs. The Spurs gave Denver I mean, they more beat help. The Warriors. Clippers put on a show. I don't care. They got their ass yes, they wiped yes, in they the did. games that they lost. The more, more but you competitive put series. Too, which makes me think that your answer is the Clippers. You dumb bitch. But the, here, more, here, the more competitive <laughs> series. I put Pop at one. But here's no, the, I'm talking about Pop. I know, but I'm trying to make a point I'm, for Pop. But yeah. Devil's Advocate. And Pop is the best coach. That was my point. <laughs> Devil's Advocate. The Clippers played the best team in the West. The Spurs played a inexperienced playoff team. A Nugget team that was good in the regular season, yeah. but okay, didn't but have the, the experience. The Warriors in the also weren't healthy. Yeah, but they're still the well, fucking Warriors. But they weren't healthy, and also with that, that would then discredit the Steve Kerr argument over Greg Popovich that he couldn't beat the fucking Clippers. I am looking at this, and you see that mm-hmm. the best player for the Spurs wasn't even LaMarcus Aldridge, wasn't even DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs last year. It was Derek fucking White Jr. But Who's boy. scouting Derek White Jr.? Go. It's Greg Popovich. <laughs> Who's Go. going out there and putting Derek White Jr. in situations to beat the Nuggets and be a wet boy? It's Greg fucking Popovich. Greg Popovich went from a t- uh, Duncan Duncan and uh, Robinson team to a Duncan, Manu, and, and, and uh, Tony, Parker. Tony Parker team to then a Kawhi team to then a Derek White Jr. team. Greg Popovich has been able to change every single year. This team has not seen a downturn at any point throughout his legacy, whether in the past five years, the past 10 years, the past 15 years, the past 20 years. He has been able to find stars in every single turn that he has taken, and he has been competitive in pretty much every single playoff series for the past 22 years. And he's been able to find... No, you because last year he was doing it. Last year he was doing it. This isn't a... He's been doing it for 22 straight years. 
That's the thing, is if you look last year, he was doing it. If you look at the year before, he was doing it. If you look at the year before, he was doing it. He's doing it every single year, and he that's my himself. point. Yeah. You can look at any segment of his career, mm-hmm. and he is le- elevating these players to the level beyond every single NBA coach. That's why he's the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. Greg Popovich does it year in and year out. Whether you want to look 22 years ago, or if you want to look last year, he does it. You give him two guys who can't shoot from the outside. Guess what? He decides we're not going to fucking shoot threes unless and he can shoot above 40%. Gonna the, and we're going to be the best three-point shooting <laughs> yep. team. He's like, look, DeMar DeRozan doesn't want to shoot threes. Guess what? He's never going to shoot a three. As long as he wears that, never going to wear, never going to shoot a three. And that, that's that's the funny thing. Like, it, we, we give him shit about his old school system, but he understands what his players can do and can't do. He knows their limitations. He knows what they can give him. And he puts them in interesting positions because I don't know how many guys are going to give Derek White the running order. Like, just, yeah, just take the ball and go with yeah, it, man. Like, like God forbid, Mike Budenholzer gets Giannis Antetokounmpo and they're like, hey, we should give this guy the ball more. We should get, we should be able to maybe have some guys who could pass around him so we give him some space. Like, like what, are we giving him a Nobel Peace Prize because he's like, oh, we should give Giannis Antetokounmpo space. He put an offensive system that no, he gave did them an amazing three-point He did a great job. That's why I mean, he unlocked the Greek freak to a level that we... He did not we... unlock him. Jesus Christ. I don't think he unlocked he was most, the other thing. He was most improved player Jake, for three straight Jake, years uh, before Budenholzer got there. Jake, jump in here. You got to give us yeah. something. Oh, I was, I'm going to have an annual Greg Popovich has yeah. that aura around him that, like, literally when they take somebody into the first round, I go, oh, wow, that guy's going to be an all-star in three years. It's just kind of like... You just like anybody who goes to the Spurs, you're like, that guy's going to be successful. And it's very rare that they're not successful, and mm-hmm. all because of Greg Popovich and the system that he's created and the, just the, the culture that he's built around the team. I mean, if you go to the Spurs, I mean, it's probably like the number one spot you want to go to if you're a, a late first round draft pick every year. Yes. And then, um, sorry, what was the other point that you made right before? Oh, Giannis, sorry. Yeah. To say that he unlocked Giannis, I think Giannis unlocked Giannis. I don't really think that has to do with they literally just went, mm, let's get a bunch of shooters. And let's just ISO him the entire time. And their freaking center takes like seven threes a game. And it's just, it, I don't think that has to do with Budenholzer. I just think that has to do, it, obviously, a part of it has to do with Budenholzer. But that just has to do with how great of a player Giannis is and how he's a top five player in the league, top four player in the league, whatever you want to say. I don't really think I give as much credit to Budenholzer as I do to Giannis in that situation. Yeah, I mean, Gian- Giannis, I mean, even the year before, it's like Giannis put up 27 last year, but he was putting up 26. Uh, I mean, he was pretty much putting up 27 last year as well. I mean, Giannis was a beast the year before. He was just more efficient in the offensive system. Budenholzer, again, is still top three, but Greg Popovich is doing this without a top five talent, without an MVP, and is consistently making this team competitive and hard to be kicked out of the playoffs each and every single year. And he's doing it this year. He's doing it consistently. He's doing it last year. He's doing it the year before. It's not a legacy ranking because if we were doing legacy ranking, he'd be number one, but he's even doing this in the present. This isn't like, a, oh, we're going to put Dwight Howard number one for center rankings because he has the best career so far. We're looking at last year, and Greg Popovich showed last year that he's still a phenomenal coach and the best coach in the league. So yeah, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that his that this team, the Spurs, and their current existence is not going to win a championship this up- upcoming year unless he pulls an amazing coaching job, which I wouldn't even put it past him. That's how fucking ridiculous of a head coach he is. But like, he, he's the best coach in the league because there's that one, 1% asterisk chance that this team that has no right to win a championship in the West could do it. They, they could just pull it off. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, it's just the fact that he can change. He can evolve as an older head coach in this league, change his system, change his offense, change his defense. Guys cycle in and out. And guess what? Consistently successful. No matter what happens, that's just it, it. It's the law of the NBA. It's like the Patriots of the NFL, Sean. And I know I'm just feeding you here, it's but absolutely. like that, it is what it is. It's just a 
mark of consistent success. And just the last thing I kind of, because I've got a couple thoughts kind of running my mind, but I'm going to kind of jam them all into one jar. Um, where with the consistency, consistency thing, if I can speak English, yeah. um, that I just, the analogy that came to my head is like where Papa's maybe more of like that consistent car where, hey, I got it back in like 1999 and it's still fucking going today. It's not a bad car. It's not a terrible car. It's a really good car and I still use it today. We're Buttonhoser is probably the, hey, the brand new car that everyone's hyped about because, hey, it had a really good year. That's a side one. The thing that I kind of want to end this with is when do we with Popovich? Is it because of the legacy that, oh, yeah, okay, brought him to the playoffs. Oh, they played very well against the seventh or against the two seed, um, but lost. When eventually do we hold it against him? Of like, okay, making the playoffs, even with the turnover, isn't enough. It isn't enough. When are you going to get back to being a coach that fights for the finals? Because right now, was maybe it, it's me with the Spurs. Of The Spurs are a team of like, well, they can make the playoffs, but when they make the playoffs, they're not going to go far. Okay, here's the thing is he had a player that could take them to the finals, and there was a, clearly some disconnect between him and that player and Kawhi Leonard. Well, if he had I'm, Kawhi Leonard, they would have been a final I'm speaking team. after Kawhi. No, I understand, about Kawhi but, but he Leonard was put days. in a horrible situation mm-hmm. where he could not keep a top-five player in the league. We don't know if it's, it's if it's his fault, if it's Kawhi's fault, but if he had Kawhi Leonard, they'd be fighting in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he Great. hasn't been able to bounce back from that, and I think it's a very it's tough thing to ba- bounce back. Exactly. It's well, been very tough years. to... Yeah, I mean, two years if you want to count yeah. the playoff, but fully off the team. Yep. And he's still been able to make the playoffs. Most coaches do not bounce, from that, bounce back from that. Most franchises don't bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. He did that. And if you want to take Greg Popovich off the Spurs and put him on the Bucks, that team would have won the finals. If you want to take him and put him on the fucking Warriors with Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry, I think they probably would have been pretty damn good. If you want to put him on the Jazz, again, same thing. Greg Popovich can do this on any team. He can find these players at any point. He knows what makes good basketball. That's why he's trusted with the nation's team. And yes, I understand you'd be like, oh, they're now seventh uh, in, in 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 the World Cup, but like they're playing with nobodies, and like that team is just absolute trash talent-wise. And and this this is a thing where I don't think any of these players care. Yeah. I don't really think that's on pop. Uh, probably a bad time to be on a pop rant before they're yeah, you know, seven say, losing to Poland. I did or whatever, want to bring but, up Poland uh, in the seventh place FIBA finish, but but anyways, yeah. uh, uh, Jake, finish this out here, and then we'll move on to some other guys. Yeah, I think Greg Popovich is the number one coach. I don't really think it's debatable. And watching that USA team lose, that was basically the Boston Celtics and Donovan Mitchell was amazing. And while I shouldn't lose <laughs> against the US, I really do because that it was awesome to watch lose and. Yeah, I mean, he's the number one. I think Steve Kerr's number two. I don't think that's really, in my mind, it's not stable. But it's like, if you take taking Kawhi Leonard off the Spurs is like taking Giannis off the, the Bucks. And do you think that Bud would be able to hold the Bucks to where Popovich has held the Spurs without Giannis? I think we all know the answer is no. Maybe. So that's why I think it's very, I don't know. Hawks? Lopez, no. Hawks team. I'm just saying. Yeah, but the Hawks, Hawks. had Horford, yeah, Millsap, Corver, yeah. Teague. Yeah, they had a bunch of B-plus players. Yeah, but the, yeah. Yeah, there's no other B-plus players in that. That Bucks team. I mean, you had Brogdon, oh, you had Middleton, um, and Middleton, and Eric Bledsoe, even Brook Lopez. Like, I, mm. I'm just saying, like, it's it's mm. not it's not unthinkable. And I know, but I would put my money on Pop doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. when you put your money that you think Bud could make the playoffs of that team, where Pop did it, Pop did it in the West as well. Agree. Bud doing it in the East, which is completely a different story. But yeah, it's Pop is the number one coach, and I mean, you can try to make an argument, but if you make an argument, you're probably wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Ricky, let's move on. You wanted mm-hmm. to talk about Doc Rivers. What's up with Doc? I just feel like we got to give him a little bit of respect and talk about him. And I want to ask you, 
why you have them at two. This isn't an attack thing of like how dare yeah. you have them at two. It's just you have them at two. I have them at seven. Dave also has them at seven. So mm-hmm. what in this year changed from Doc going from 11 to two in your ranking? The the reason why I think I, I, I've had more of an appreciation with Doc Rivers, and I think a large part of what happened was him taking away the uh, front office uh, duties of his job and now focus fully on coaching. And I think I was judging him too much of being a bad GM and a decent coach mm-hmm. uh, to now being a full-time coach and showing what he can fully do. That team last year had no rights. And this team of, of the past two years has had no rights to win over 40 games. Yet he's winning 42 and 40 and 48 and 34 and giving the Warriors trouble in the first round. That's due to Doc Rivers. He's going out there and you know seeing what he has in Lou, Lou Williams. He sees what he has in Montrose Harrell. He sees what he has in Avika Zubak. He sees what he had in Shea Gilgis and uh, and and Pat- Patrick Beverly. He's able to identify the talent, just similar to Pop, what Pop is able to do, and he's able to go out there in the past two years, and they're trading away his best players. They're getting rid of Tobias Harris midseason, and they get better. Like, this yeah, shouldn't happen. Yeah, before it was Blake Griffin. I yeah. mean, how do you get rid of your best player year over year and get better? I think I finally realized that this team, the, the, the Clippers team that had DeAndre Blake and Chris Paul, they probably shouldn't have been as good as they were, and that's the reason why they weren't getting past the conference semifinals with, with that team. And I think it was mainly just due to the talent not meshing. But Blake or Doc Rivers did a fantastic job of making that 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 whole team blend. And you look at Doc Rivers' whole hit list, and he hasn't been under 500 since 2011, 2012. He is consistently putting his teams into spots where he can where they can win games, and he's doing a fantastic job. And he's showing that with low level, under B plus players consistently for the past two years, and getting them above 500 and putting them into the playoffs. He does a phenomenal job in, year in year out, and I think that. If you give Doc Rivers, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, and this is going into this season, if you give them that, we're going to see how great of a coach that Doc Rivers is. The mm-hmm. reason why that they are for sure going to be the best team in the Western Conference, or at least going to be you know, probably the favorites to come out of the Western Conference this year, is not only because of the Paul, uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard blend, but it's because Doc Rivers is going to make those guys fully reach their potential together because he is such a phenomenal coach. So mm-hmm. I'm taking his past performances in, but I also think this year he's going to fully show that if you give him superstars, he can be a guy that can win the finals. Yeah, I mean, I, the Clippers team this past year is pretty much, and not to get too hoity-toity here, but uh, Aristotle quote, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Like That's exactly what it is. It sums up to a T because on their own, each one of those guys not they're not that great they're not top 10 players in the league not top 20 players in the league you have Lou Williams who's six man of the year because he can score on anybody and he doesn't play defense you got Montrose Harrell who becomes a just an absolutely beast monster down low in the post again great offensively pretty good defensively too and the rest of these pieces just fall in line Danilo Gallinari someone who gets no credit for being one of the best uh big men shooters in the NBA just incredibly efficient throughout his career. Just been, you know, nagged by injury year after year, really. I just it's impressive to see what he's been able to do with this group. And now that, like you said, now that it's flipped over to a completely new roster and, and just uber talent, uber talented. It, it's just a matter of time. The, this team, if they can't win a championship, I mean that I think that's a knock on Doc. If he doesn't win a ring this year. Uh, would, how how far would you drop him down? I think it's dependent on where he ends up. Like mm-hmm. if if he's going to the finals, then well, I I don't think I can drop him that far. And if if they're losing because of him, like how are they losing? Why are they losing? It's it's taken yeah. in. Like if they're getting bounced in the first round, then it might be on Doc. But you know if if they're going to the finals and are competitive, then it obviously has to deal with how they're winning, why they lose, and stuff like that. 
um, especially being the first year. Typically, these teams don't do great in their first year or Super win championships. Team. But if, if we see year two is able to go out and win a finals, I, I wouldn't be yeah. shocked. Um, Jake, you want to jump in here with Doc Rivers? Yeah. Well, he's not going to win a ring this year because Brett Brown's going to win one. But uh, just talking about the team. Hey, Jake, who, who are you a fan of? Ring the um, bell, I'm Jake. Ring the Bucks bell. Fan. I'm actually a Bucks fan. <laughs> uh, the way that he was able to reinvent that team and using that three guard, like they had, they traded away Tobias Harris, and everybody's like, "Who's going to play the three? And Doc's like, "Fuck it, we'll put Shamit there." And he was like, he ran Beverly, Shamit, Shea, Gallo, and Zubak, and still made the playoffs. Like it just the way he reinvented that team and the way that they're going to look this year, which how much talent they have, it's going to be, it's going to be scary. And I, I used to be a Doc hater too. I thought that like he, I used to say he only won a ring because he had the big three in Boston, and then. Mm-hmm. Last year changed my complete mind about that because they were the one. Remember they were the one seed earlier in the year. Like they were, they were fantastic last year, and they shouldn't. They didn't really have any business being as close to the playoffs or in the playoffs as they were. Mm-hmm. Really, getting rid of his son made him a better coach in all of our <laughs> eyes. I think we can all agree to that. Yeah, well, that Jerry unlocked, West is that unlocked Doc Rivers. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think that Doc is it was underrated just because we were like, oh, he had the talent like Blake and CP3 and DeAndre Jordan. We're like, he probably should have made the finals with some of those teams. And you look at the year after the uh, Celtics won the f- finals, that team wasn't fully healthy. And we were like, yeah. well, that team, again, probably should have repeated. Um, they didn't. And I think we put too much blame on Doc there. I think Doc has been able to elevate their teams. And that was just the top end for those guys. Because yeah. we see what they're able to do. And Chris Paul isn't able to you know, stay healthy and isn't able to contribute to this Rockets team. And that's the reason why they moved on from him. You look at DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan's now bouncing around team to team here. And you look at, look at Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, obviously the star of that team, but I don't think he would have reached that full potential if he didn't leave Los Angeles. So I, I don't think that's fully on Doc. And I think that Doc needed a fresh start, and Doc's doing a f- one hell of a fucking job with that fresh start. So Doc Rivers, I think, deserves to be uh, top five where he is at. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing this year is like what Dave said expectations are high for Doc Rivers. And for me, I I agree with you, Sean. Depends on how they lose. Like if let's say let's say they don't make the finals and they lose to LeBron and um A D in the conference finals. Let's say it's something like that. And, yeah. and I just threw out a team that has the yeah, other superstar powers yeah, like as it. well. Then you'll kind of look at it and go, well, okay, how much stock do I put in there on Doc? But if it's like Hey, this team had a catastrophic year. They got upset by like the Kings well, in yeah, the first I'll round. Them down, but I don't then think that's going to happen. Yeah. Down. Isn't that the whole? I mean, that was the whole I'm point just, that you had. You start off this thing like, oh, we got to. Oh, isn't this for going into this year? Well, yeah. I think this year they're going to be one fucking hell of a good team. Exactly. So if they're not good this year, then I'm going to move them down. Yeah. Like I have no problems with that. But mm-hmm. if, if your whole complaint was about Pop not being, uh, you know, being number one because of what he's done recently, well, you know, I think that he's done one hell of a job, and I think now he's finally got yeah. the talent to move him up. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Jake, you got any problems? with any other teams or you want to uh, throw out a Brett Brown take since you weren't able to in the uh, 11 through 20? <laughs> I don't know if I want to bring up the Brett Brown talk again, but I do, um, I do want to, uh, Brad Stevens is, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Celtics hater, but, and I understand last year wasn't a great year for him, but even look, obviously you can still look back two years ago when they're in the conference finals with a team that had no business being there. Do you think last year, like, I think you guys are putting a lot of blame on Brett, Brad Stevens dropping him in your list, then I think it had to do with Kyrie Irving and how he kind of destroyed the team from the inside. But if you aren't able to control your locker room as a head coach, like, doesn't that show a giant area of weakness, at least? Because, like, Brad Stevens publicly, I, I, I agree with you. Like, he, he ate a lot of blame from the media. Everything that happened with Kyrie completely pointed back to, well, Kyrie's insane, but also Brad Stevens let his team get to this point. And I think that's it, there's a balance there, and I definitely blamed him for some of it. 
Um, but I think for the most part, it's just the disappointment of this was a team where obviously we, we hope for them to bounce back and now they're fully loaded. And obviously Gordon Hayward's, you know, wasn't able to get right because his injury is like a two year recovery period anyway. But the expectations we had for the Celtics, the way they played throughout the season, the lack of teamwork, the lack of camaraderie, really. And they, they just look disappointing in the playoffs. And that that's mm-hmm. the final note I've got for them. So it's like, well, Stevens, you're, you're a top yeah. 10 coach, no doubt. But do I like guys like Quinn Snyder, who he went out there, and yes, he lost in the playoffs just the same way, but that's a team where I'm like, that team is downright scary now. Mike Malone, a coach who has a young core, who absolutely looks deadly during the regular season, see if he can put it together this year for the playoffs. Possibly I think one, the best center in the league as well. Second best center in the league. <laughs> And I mean, I'm going to take the bait because you did mention Brett Brown's name. Can I ask, how the hell is Alvin Gentry above Brett Brown? He's not. What has he? In, Brown's 15, has Gentry, Gentry 17. At 11. No, I'm saying on your list, you have Alvin Gentry at 11 and Brett Brown. Personal oh, attack. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this back there. I, I think I that Alvin Gentry, at least with what he's done, I, I don't think he's had the talent to fully prove that he's been able to make the playoffs like each it. and every single year. Where with Brett Brown, um, I talked about it. I, I had him lower than before when I talked to you. So, I mean, your, your talk mm-hmm. obviously had me move him up. But I, I don't think that with Brett Brown compared to Alvin Gentry, if you had Alvin Gentry on the on, on the Sixers, I think that Alvin Gentry would do probably the same job, if not a, a better job, with with with, Brett, uh, with the Sixers roster than uh, you know the Pelicans roster that he currently has. I don't think that Alvin Gentry has consistently been fed the talent that Brett Brown has been, and I don't think we've seen him with as a such a talented team like he had uh, the year before where we went to the second round of the playoffs in the Western Conference or like the Sixers currently are. My final note on this, yeah. and just because you mentioned like you put this coach on this team and su- yeah. what's their level of success, I think the funniest out of this whole thing is Mike D'Antoni. Like, that guy cannot succeed everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, he is in a situation <laughs> where unless you have the right guard on your team, He's not a good coach. Yeah. Like, he's creative. He's innovative. And so let's give him two good guys. So you give him two. And well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's just it's interesting to see because I respect the shit out of him for what he was able to do, build, innovate, and change the entire style and gameplay of the NBA. But I look at him and I just start laughing. I'm like, I wonder what happens if he, like, if you try to put him on a team with some of these other lineups. Put him like, on the Jazz. How would he work on the Jazz? How would he work on the Spurs? How would, how would he do on, on these teams who don't necessarily run right into his wheelhouse yeah. of play style? So. None of the defense, double the offense. Uh, it's just an interesting <laughs> observation. I, I still think he's a top coach, but you know I don't think he can succeed everywhere like some of these other guys you're mentioning. But when he succeeds, he succeeds that, so highly. Oh, my so that's, God. That's yeah, he's incredible. Uh, what were you saying, Jake? But did you but did you know that he's a Brett Brown coaching descendant? You know that? Oh, get out of here with that. Jake brought it up. I, I was talking about it and I was like I was like, hey, to, to Brett Brown's credit, he's got two guys on this list that come from the Brett Brown tree uh going to Monty Williams and Lloyd Pierce. And he's like, No, it's three. And I'm like, Who the hell's the third guy? He's like Mike D'Antoni. And like D'Antoni coached like ten games with him uh as a it was as a three, sixer. It was like two and a half months he was like an associate assistant uh, so like, get the fuck Christ. out of here, Jake. Um yeah, it's, it's good though. Uh the other guy I want to throw out there, and you mentioned a little bit, is is uh, Mike Malone. Um, Malone, I don't think, is there yet. I, I love what he did and the fact that he's able to use Jokic the way he is and the way that he's able to you know, get this offense flowing like he has been. Um, I think it is great, but he hasn't proven himself enough in the playoffs yet to, to be that high. And even oh. then, I, I think I was—I wasn't even that high on him. And I put him—I put him at eight. I was, um, yeah, I was really high on him. But if, if you want to put Nick Nurse who won a Finals or or, or uh, D'Antoni who who's obviously mm, had consistent success, yep. you can. But I, I, you know, I, I think that Mike Malone is a guy that could take a jump this year. 
if, yeah. he, if he is able to get deeper. I don't know if he takes a jump on my list. Uh, Pop fans may not be happy if <laughs> he takes that Christ. jump. Pop should be taking the, <laughs> Pop should be taking the oh jump. Oh, my God. Final thoughts, Ricky. <laughs> I mean, I, I this has probably been the best rankings podcast we've had all year in my mind. I uh, my, my final thoughts is how many years left does Pop have as a top coach? Like, if if this year they miss the playoffs, does that does that taint? Do you want to hear my troll answer? Yeah. Because no. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's three. Negative one. Wow. Sean uh, and Jake, actually, Jake, if he doesn't make the playoffs with this team this year, we're assuming a healthy DeJounte Murray, you know, 18 guys in that backcourt who can play. Uh, does, does this take him off, number one? Do you think just the running legacy uh, argument versus Ricky's like, what have you done for me lately? You know. No. He'd stay on number one. I don't think I'd ever move him. I don't think I'd ever move them as well because I, I think if they're not making the playoffs, they're like nine, and there's probably a good reason why they're not. Um, however, if like they absolutely look awful and it's just like they're yeah. completely flat out there, I I, I would like if, if they're like you know tenth or, or I'm sorry if they're like twelfth or thirteenth in the Western Conference and they look horrible and they're not dealing with major injuries. Yeah, if somebody maybe Tanya Harding, uh, yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge, and and if Steve Kerr has a phenomenal year, I think that that could be the flip. Just because you see now losing KD and losing Clay Thompson and mm-hmm. this this team's still this good, I think that has to be a credit to to Steve Kerr. So maybe, but I, I think it'd have to be crazy scenarios for him to fall. Got it. Uh, those are your final That's thoughts, yeah. Jake. You got any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I just because I know somebody in the comments is going to say it. If anybody says that Nick Nurse should be hired, just know that he literally got bailed out and got out coached by Brett Brown in the second round. Yeah. Nick four bounces Nurse. Yeah, it's all with that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, shout out Nick Nurse, uh, the, the guitar <laughs> legend. Uh, anyways, that's going to wrap it up for our one through ten. Uh, thank you to Jake for being a patron and being on this podcast. Make sure you tune to the September podcast where Jake won't be dropping due to weather concerns and we'll be giving our hot takes. And that is one hell of a segment. Uh, last year, I, I came out the king. Got to try to do it again uh, with my with my Nuggets wait, take. Wait, we were actually keeping score. I just thought I hot takes were supposed what? to be like hot takes. I still. I, Hot take. Yeah. You were one the more outlandish, the better. I hit. I hit on twice. You just threw out the the LeBron thing, and technically he was injured. Technically yeah, injured. Well, technically, yes. it was still right. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong, but like the best kind of right is technically. I, I'm. I'm saying like yeah, if exactly. if we're if we're hitting every single mark of it, I think I was probably close. Every single mark. I said he wouldn't finish top five MVP voting. Like you want to look over top five MVP voting? Hmm? Was he in there? If he was healthy, would he been there? If he was healthy, would he been there? Oh my god. I don't know. It depends where they would have finished. Let's continue this pissing contest during hot takes yeah. next time. I can't wait. <laughs> in every other segment. Anyways, let us know your thoughts down in 1 through 10. Uh, stay tuned to the hot takes segment because obviously you can see there's some contentious thoughts coming out of it already. Uh, thank you, Jake, for being a patron. And we want to thank you guys for watching, listening, and commenting. Uh, for Ricky Whitmer, for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. I was going to call you Sean Oster. Uh, for Sean Anderson, uh, this has married. been the Fat, Fast Break Podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time where Dave and I will be married. But let's jump into the final topic, and that is clearly 1 through 10, ranking the end. NBA coaches, and we're going to welcome on our buddy Jake onto the podcast. Before we hear from our friend Jake, it's been a, it's been a while. We're excited to hear from him. Uh, we're going to go through our rankings. Ricky, start us off one through ten. Well, starting off at number ten, the guy we talked about last segment, Dwayne Casey of the Pistons. Then at number nine, Nick Four Bounce Nurse. Um, then at eight, Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. At seven, Doc Rivers with his new gifts on the Clippers. Then at five, Brad Stevens. Or at six, Brad Stevens. Five is Quinn Snyder. Four is Mike Malone. Three is Greg Popovich. Two is Steve Kerr. And one is Mike Budenhoser. Yikes. Dave, give us your one through ten. <sighs> How do I follow up that? 
Uh, you with accuracy. At number ten, I've got Rick Carlisle. Nine, Brad Stevens. Eight, Nick Nurse. Seven, Doc Rivers. Six, the psychopath Quinn Snyder. Five, Mike Malone. Four, Mike Dan Antoni. Three, Steve Kerr. Two, Mike Budenhoser. And one, Pop. And then one through ten for me. At ten, Nick Nurse. At nine, Mike D'Antoni. Eight, Mike Malone. Seven, Brad Stevens. Six, Steve Kerr. Five, Rick Carlisle. Four, American Psycho Quinn Snyder. Three, Mike Budenholzer. Two, Doc Rivers. And number one, Greg Popovich. And for our cumulative rankings, at number 10, Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. Nine, Rick Carlisle of the Dallas Mavericks. Eight, Brad Stevens of the Boston Celtics. Seven, Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. Six, Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. Five, Doc Rivers of the Los Angeles Clippers. Four, Quinn, Snyder's of, Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. Uh, Chicago accent. Quinn Snyder's of the uh, Utah Jazz coming out. Three, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors. Two, Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks. And one, San Antonio Spurs head coach, Greg Pop- Popovich, and arguably the greatest coach of all time, Greg Popovich, finally coming in at number one after Brad Stevens was our number one coach last year. Thank you to Ricky and Dave for giving him that credit last year. You're welcome. Jake, jump in. What do you think about our, uh, our one through ten? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be the glaring uh, question that's going to go around is how the hell is the greatest coach of all time number three in rookies' ratings, rankings? That's that's going to be the glaring one. And then the other of one that time? really, yeah, the all of all time. The guy who takes the one that takes me back is the fact that two people don't have Doc Rivers as a top five coach. Thank you. I, I need I need explanations on that one. And, but no, you have Rick Carlisle number five, so you also have problems. Well, here's here's the thing, and but, and this is what Ricky wanted to get into, and and I I I, I will say. I think Rick Carlisle is a top 10 coach, and I did that strategically because I knew that Rick Carlisle would have been bounced. So I put Rick Carlisle top 5, so he would have been top 10. So I think he's a top 10 coach, but I knew you guys so disrespect Rick Carlisle every single year. So I needed well, to make sure. It was the same thing with Favors. Favors is a great player. I needed to make sure Favors was as high as possible so he can get the most amount of respect because I know you guys are sleeping on him. So let's jump into it. What was the point that you wanted to make from last uh well, it, 11 through 20. And it's not Carlisle. It's, and this is the thing that pisses me off about these rankings. And it, I kind of stepped back of it a little bit because you were kind of doing what I was doing. Like when I had pop so low last year, I had him at six. Well, the reason I had pop so low is so Ugh. that Steve Kerr could be number two and Popovich wasn't two in our final rankings. But the thing that like, I think we've had some inconsistencies in these rankings where in my mind, these are supposed to be for rankings of the upcoming year. So mm-hmm. with Carlisle, I don't see him as a top 10 coach this year. And the reason why is what he's done in the past does not matter as much. It's not a legacy ranking. It's a coming into this year and based off of the team that he's had, yes, the but, potential is there. But to me, he's right outside the top 10 this year. Whereas last year coming in, I sh- probably even shouldn't have had him in the top ten. But even these rankings like should be coming into this year, not a legacy ranking. It, we even okay, got a comment then, about that. Like, are these legacy or are these coming it, into this year? Even with that, it's it's based on what they've done throughout their whole, whole career going into this year. If we're doing that, then then why why isn't Frank Vogel in the top ten? Because he's going to be a playoff coach. Why isn't Luke Walton, who we're talking about the mm-hmm. Kings possibly going to the playoffs? Why isn't he in the top ten? I don't understand because that. I think that so there's inconsistency throughout. Why this. isn't Brett Rick, Brown a top ten? Coach. Rick no, Carlisle, and that's what I'm saying. Rick we Carlisle, cheer, we like, and with me, I try to keep it coming into this year. But it's like 
we cherry pick when we want to talk about legacy and when no, we I don't. No, I disagree. Rick Carlisle, I think, is a top 10 coach every single year, and he proved it. And he proved it last year. And you might say, well, this team was, you know, horrible. This team mm-hmm. was a, a top 10 pick in the NBA uh, draft last year. But that doesn't mean he coached poorly. Look at that roster that he had. Look what he did to make sure Luka Doncic was doing the best that he could out there. He was putting J.J. Barea out there, even though Dennis Smith was a top five pick. He didn't care about that. He knew that Luka Doncic was the star of this team, and he, either, he needed to play J.J. Barea with him the most because... Because that was what the playstyle fit best with Luka Doncic's play, play style. Same thing when J.J. went down. He made sure that Jalen Brunson was out there. There was no talent on that Dallas Mavericks team. And we were talking about them midway through the season being a playoff team. That's on Rick Carlisle. There is a one player that is a star on that team. He's 19 years old. Rick Carlisle did a... Who's the other star? Chris Sporzing. Wasn't on the team. Before before the trade deadline, he wasn't oh. on the team when they were a playoff team. Or Honestly, close to before being a playoff the trade team. deadline, he was because he got well, traded. Uh, tech- Technically, not a, not playing at a star level, but Dirk was still a star, you know. Well, don't give him a Dirk mention. I don't, look, this segment's already hard enough. If you get Sean going on a Dirk roll, I can't. Dirk last year was clearly not Dirk. So was he a top ten was, power forward? It was Jesus. a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, but that's that's my thing. Is like Guilty. this team this team looked fantastic before. The the they started trading away Harrison Barnes and and you know getting Chris Tapps for Zingas, but Chris Tapps couldn't even play last year. Mm-hmm. Before they started playing trading away their veterans, this team was close to a playoff spot, and that is largely due to the job that Rick Carlisle does every single year. Rick Carlisle has taken this team that has been low level talent without star level talent without outside of Dirk Nowitzki, and Dirk Nowitzki's been old for years now to consistently getting them to a competitive position, more than competitive than they should. And that's what good coaches do. Rick Carlisle deserves credit for what he's done in Dallas for the past couple of years. I, I don't understand this. I just, for me, with my rankings, I look at it to where I'm going to start at five because that's where you had them. And we kind of, we agree, but kind of disagree. We're like Doc and Quinn Snyder, I have in the top ten. So I believe they're above um, Carlisle, but like I have Malone, who I would put above him. I have Brad Stevens, I think is a better coach. I think D'Antoni or Dan Antoni is a better coach. Nick Nurse, like Nick Nurse, Dwayne Casey, that's where maybe the debate comes in. If you're going to have Rick Carlisle, that's why I like where he is in our cumulative because I think nine and 10 is probably the highest. But like if you have Rick Carlisle at five, you are blatantly going off of his entire career and but, that's not what this is but if you give him the co- the team that mike d'antoni has if you mm-hmm. give him the team that quinn snyder has if you give him the team that brad stevens has if you give him the team that mike malone has i do think that rick carlo can be as successful if not more successful than those coaches mm-hmm. so i'm not going off of legacy because legacy does matter because you have to see what they've done throughout their entire career mm-hmm. and what he does is he raises the level of his teams consistently and I think he could do that. And even though he's not going to the playoffs, he's won a championship before. And that's because he is a good coach. Good coaches, weirdly enough, win championships. Unless they're carried by these massively great talents like LeBron. Ty Lue was carried by LeBron mm-hmm. James. But Dirk was fantastic in that finals. But Rick Carlisle made sure that Dirk was in the best positions each and every year. And they also made sure that the LeBron James and D. Mm-hmm. Wade and Chris Bostrain were slowed down. And that's because of Rick Carlisle. So if you're saying that... You know, Mike Malone has shown that he can win a championship. He clearly cannot yet. If you're saying that Brad Stevens can win a championship, clearly he proved with Kyrie Irving and and Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum that he cannot win a championship yet. With uh, with Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni has been around forever and didn't make the necessary changes to help his team win a championship. The what two years ago when they went 0 for 27 in a row uh, from three. 
This was a guy that did not make the necessary adjustments to make sure his team won games. If Chris Paul went down for Rick Carlisle in the playoffs, Rick Carlisle probably would have helped them win that game and get to the, the NBA Finals for the Houston Rockets. I believe Rick Carlisle could be doing this if he had the talent. My thing is, is he hasn't had the talent to do so. All I'm hearing is he's got a ring, he's got a ring, he's got a ring. You because can, he's a good coach. All, uh, that's you all don't, I'm hearing. That's, that's the... You can be a good coach and not have a great team. I think that's where Sean's going with this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's interesting that we look at it this way because you look at the guys who are at the top of this list and it almost reads like playoff seeding at times because Greg Popovich, 20 years of the playoffs in a row, right? Or somewhere like very, mm-hmm. very close to that. Uh, Bud, successful with the Hawks, successful with the Bucks. Now, again, playoffs. Steve Kerr, playoffs. Quinn Snyder, playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. That's the entire top 10. Yes, the, the, there's not a coincidence here that every team in the playoffs has a coach who is represented here my thing is rick carlisle is literally like the asterisk on this list because if you look at everybody else you know everybody else is a playoff team the only guy who's outside of the playoffs you know kenny Eckton, brett brown are way down there on the on our list outside of that no it's fine because mm-hmm. you look back a couple of years you're like mm-hmm. wow, we had elvin gentry as a top 10 head coach after his performance <laughs> reactionary yes i like the sticker from jake and, and it's deserved because it's like we were reactionary and we thought Look, he can keep this rolling, and this yeah. team can be monsters for, for a couple of years in a row. But I look at Rick Carlisle, I, I do tend to agree with you on the fact that he can get a lot of these players. And I uh, I was having a talk with somebody, I can't remember their name, going back and forth about how Luka wouldn't be the same Luka we saw this past year had he landed on a different team. Mm-hmm. Had we seen Suns Luka or Kings Luka, what would, you know, like, how would he have looked? Like, Luka's still an amazing talent and best player under 20 by far. But it's still the question mark of like, how good could he have been? Mm-hmm. Could he have been a twenty-five and five player? Could he have been, you know, a, we were saying the bar low going into the season. I was like, yeah, like I think Luca easily can come in and do like fifteen five and five. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where he'll be, like floor level. And he came and just blew out all expectations because he had a coach and a system. Hey, Dave, that hold surround- my bear. That's well, what he did. Yeah, he had a coach and system that bought into like literally. I think a week into like his summer camp, it was like Carl. I was like. Oh my God! This is this is inc- I can't believe we got this guy. I, yeah. I cannot believe it. I, everything around him—that's the answers. Everything is around him, and that's that's the realization of coach who understands what player he needs to focus on and understands how to put the right guys around him to get the most out of the entire team mm-hmm. to make sure that player gets the best. And that, that that's I give him the credit for it. Jake, He's get- a bear, terrible team right now, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Jake, jump in here. Yeah, I just threw up in my mouth thinking of Sons Luca. That that, <laughs> You're welcome. that one would have been ugly. You're welcome. But the other coach I wanted to talk about was Steve Kerr because, I mean, obviously he's 2-3 and three on two of the list. But then Sean, who's usually the Steve Kerr defender on the podcast, has him all the way down at number six. He, Sean already like, invalidated his why. ranking saying he put Carlisle at five to fuck yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, if, if I was putting Kerr on the list, I'd probably put him uh, below Doc, above Budenholzer. Yeah, well, it just because Ricky was just talking about how it's for the upcoming year, and he has Steve Kerr at two. Yeah, Steve Kerr's team probably isn't going to be a top four seed in the West this year. So why is he at number two? Is it because the rings in the past? Even though we just said that, well, you just said that rings wouldn't matter in the past. It's for the upcoming season. Or would it be? No, for me, I put Steve Kerr at number two because yes, that team's going to be depleted this year, but they're going to be a team at the end of the year. Watch it, where they may they're not going to be one or two, but it's going to be like. Damn, 
how did Steve Kerr get this team to the playoffs? Because many people are writing them off. Hey, this could be the so, year the Warriors don't make the playoffs. I have not heard where, anyone say that. Isn't isn't that what Greg Popovich did last year though, getting the Spurs to the playoffs? And I yeah, have him at three. Probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. I have him at three. It's I'm not really low on Popovich. Was I like next year? Like I think with Greg Popovich, it's when you get to these top three, it's Kerr and Popovich are basically which flavor vanilla nope. or chocolate which Just, one nope. you like better and then when me buttonhoser i think it's, he's it's chocolate or urine but oh, come on <laughs> that's disrespectful that's when you're comparing popovich, popovich is lebron level that's I, what i'm saying i i, I he is lebron level it's, it's not even close that's, that's great he knows it's not jordan yeah. level he's lebron level it's phil yeah it's phil. <laughs> um i would take pop question marks all around i think for me the difference maker comes down to this the Spurs team, it's just it won't die mm-hmm. like that. That's that's twenty two straight years. Twenty two straight years since I was born, they have made the playoffs. Exactly, they're they're incredible. I was zero years old when the Spurs made the playoffs, and it's you and gotta count for injuries making. throughout all of that. You gotta count for everything that came up in between the teams they had to go up against in the West. Like yes, they had they haven't had success every year in the playoffs, but they've mm-hmm. got multiple rings. They've had legacies. They've got a, an all time lineup that is to be rivaled. And I look at Steve Kerr, and I'm like, this mm-hmm. guy, absolutely. I, I, I still think top three. I think you're, if you put him at three or four, fine. But, like, he's the guy who realized that the key to success was Draymond Green. He, he And that's mm-hmm. why I think this year is Draymond Green is going to be the guy again. So you're going to have MVP Steph Curry when healthy, and then Draymond Green doing well, some heavy carry. And I just want to throw in there. I you... think Steve Kerr's going to make the most out of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bashing Steve Kerr again. I just think call that... him urine. You well, did. I was saying compared to Popovich. You called him Yaren. That's compared still to disrespectful, Popovich. I think. But, like, the thing, and when you say the 20 years of, and that goes back to my point that I was making earlier, how far back do you go? For me, with these rankings, a couple years, if any, because 20 years ago was way different than right now. I and understand it's, that. Is this legacy or all time? And coming into okay. this year, let me just explain. Popovich, it's a different team that he's coached before. Steve Kerr has showed me consistently with this Warrior team over the past few years how he can change with adversity. That's why I have him the highest. And then Buttonhoser, I know it's only one year, but he seems to be, in my mind, the linchpin that if Nick Nurse and the Raptors didn't play so well after those first two games because they just outplayed the Bucks after that, Budenhoser is the linchpin to get the most out of the Bucks that I think they'll be a finals team this year and could win the finals this year with the absentee Warriors not being there. That's my mindset okay. one through three of my rankings. I'm going to go to this last year first before mm-hmm. I go to a, a swap or anything like yeah. that. Let's look at last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who was the most successful low-seeded team last year? The Clippers. The Spurs. Were they? No, it was the Spurs. The Spurs gave Denver I mean, they more beat help. the Warriors. Clippers put on a show. I don't care. They got their ass yes, wiped yes, in the did. games that they lost. The more, more but you put Doc Rivers series, at two, which makes me think that your answer is the Clippers. You the, dumb bitch. But the, here, more, here. the more competitive series, <laughs> I put Pop at one. But here's no, the, I'm talking about Pop. I know, but I'm trying to make a point I'm, for Pop. Yeah. But Devils and Advocate, Pop is the best coach. That was my point. <laughs> Devils Advocate. The Clippers played the best team in the West. The Spurs played a inexperienced playoff team, a Nugget team that was good in the regular season, yeah. but okay, didn't but the, have the experience. The Warriors the also weren't healthy. 
Yeah, but they're still the fucking Warriors. But they weren't healthy. And also with that, that would then discredit the Steve Kerr argument over Greg Popovich that he couldn't beat the fucking Clippers. I am looking at this and you see that Mm -hmm. the best player for the Spurs wasn't even LaMarcus Aldridge. Wasn't even DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs last year. It was Derek fucking White Jr. Who's scouting Derek White Jr.? It's Greg Popovich. (laughs) Who's going out there and putting Derek White Jr. in situations to beat the Nuggets and be a wet boy? It's Greg fucking Popovich. Greg Popovich went from a uh, Duncan Duncan and uh, Robinson team to a Duncan, Manu, and and, and, uh, Tony Parker Parker team to then a Kawhi team to then a Derek White Jr. team. Greg Popovich has been able to change every single year. This team has not seen a downturn at any point throughout his legacy, whether in the past five years, the past 10 years, the past 15 years, the past 20 years. He has been able to find stars in every single turn that he has taken, and he has been competitive in pretty much every single playoff series for the past 22 years. And he's been able to find... No, you because last legacy, year he was legacy. doing it. Last he's, year he was he's doing done it. it this isn't. Mm-hmm. This isn't a. He's been doing it for 22 straight years. That's the thing. Is if you look last year, he was doing it. If you look the year before, he was doing it. If you look the year before, he was doing it. He's doing it every single year, and he that's my himself. point. Yeah. You can look at any segment of his career, mm-hmm. and he is le- elevating these players to the level beyond every single NBA coach. That's why he's the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Greg Popovich does it year in and year out. Whether you want to look. 22 years ago, or if you want to look last year, he does it. You give him two guys who can't shoot from the outside. Guess what? He decides we're not going to fucking shoot threes unless and he can shoot above forty percent, and we're going to be the best three point shooting <laughs> yep. team. He's like, look, Demar Derozan's not shoot threes. Guess what? He's never going to shoot a three as long as he wears that. Never go wear. Never going to shoot a three. And that that's that's the funny thing. Like it, we we give him shit about his old school system, but he understands what his players can do and can't do. He knows their limitations. He knows what they can give him, and he puts them in. Interesting positions because I don't know how many guys are going to give Derek White the running order. Like just yeah, just take the ball and go with yeah, it, man. Like like God forbid, Mike Budenholzer gets Giannis out the Kupo and they're like, hey, we should give this guy the ball more. We should get, we should be able to maybe have some guys who could pass around him so we give him some space. Like like what are we giving him a Nobel Peace Prize because he's like, oh, we should give Giannis on the space. He put an offensive system that no, he gave did a, them amazing three points. He did a great job, and that's why he's I mean, top he three, unlocked the Greek freak to a level that He did that not we... unlock him. Jesus Christ. I don't think he unlocked He was, most, un- un- he was most improved player Jake, for three straight years like, before Budenholzer got there. Jake, jump in here. you got to give yeah. us something. Oh, I was, I'm going to have an annual Greg Popovich has yeah. that aura around him that, like, literally when they take somebody into the first round, I go, oh, wow, that guy's going to be an all-star in three years. It's just kind of like... You just like anybody who goes to the Spurs, you're like, that guy's going to be successful. And it's very rare that they're not successful at mm-hmm. all because of Greg Popovich and the system that he's created and the, just the, the culture that he's built around the team. I mean, if you go to the Spurs, I mean, it's probably like the number one spot you want to go to if you're a, a late first round draft pick every year. Yes. And then, um, sorry, what was the other point that you made right before? Oh, Giannis, sorry. Yeah. To say that he unlocked Giannis, I think Giannis unlocked Giannis. I don't really think that has to do with they literally just went, mm, let's get a bunch of shooters. And let's just ISO him the entire time. And their freaking center takes like seven threes a game. And it's just, it, I don't think that has to do with Budenholzer. I just think that has to do, it, obviously, a part of it has to do with Budenholzer. But that just has to do with how great of a player Giannis is and how he's a top five player in the league, top four player in the league, whatever you want to say. I don't really think I give as much credit to Budenholzer as I do to Giannis in that situation. Yeah, I mean, Gian- Giannis, I mean, even the year before, it's like Giannis put up 27 last year, but he was putting up 26. Uh, I mean, he was pretty much putting up 27 last year as well. I mean, Giannis was a beast the year before. He was just more efficient in the offensive system. Budenholzer, again, is still top three, but Greg Popovich is doing this without a top five talent, without an MVP, and is consistently making this team competitive and hard 
to be kicked out of the playoffs each and every single year. And he's doing it this year. He's doing it consistently. He's doing it last year. He's doing it the year before. It's not a legacy ranking because if we were doing legacy ranking, he'd be number one. But he's even doing this in the present. This isn't like, a, oh, we're going to put Dwight Howard number one for center rankings because he has the best career so far. We're looking at last year, and Greg Popovich showed last year that he's still a phenomenal coach and the best coach in the league. So yeah, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that his that this team, the Spurs, and their current existence is not going to win a championship this upcoming year unless he pulls an amazing coaching job, which I wouldn't even put it past him. That's how fucking ridiculous of a head coach he is. But like, he, he's the best coach in the league because there's that 1% one, 1 asterisk chance that this team that has no right to win a championship in the West could do it. They, they, they could just pull it off. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, it's just the fact that he can change. He can evolve as an older head coach in this league, changes system, changes offense, changes defense. Guys cycle in and out. And guess what? Consistently successful. No matter what happens, that's just it, it. It's the law of the NBA. It's like the Patriots of the NFL, Sean. And I know I'm just feeding you here, Absolutely. but like that, it is what it is. It's just a mark of consistent success. And just the last thing I kind of, because I've got a couple thoughts kind of running in my mind, but I'm going to kind of jam them all into one jar. Um, where with the consistency, consistency thing, if I can speak English, yeah. um, that I just, the analogy that came to my head is like where Papa's maybe more of like that consistent car where, hey, I got it back in like 1999 and it's still fucking going today. It's not a bad car. It's not a terrible car. It's a really good car. And I still use it today. Where Buttonhoser is probably the hey, the brand new car that everyone's hyped about because hey, it had a really good year. That's a side one. The thing that I kind of want to end this with is when do we with Popovich? Is it because of the legacy that oh yeah, okay, brought him to the playoffs? Oh, they played very well against the seventh or against the two seed, um, but lost. When eventually do we hold it against him? Of like okay, making the playoffs even with the turnover isn't enough it isn't enough when are you going to get back to being a coach that fights for the finals because right now maybe it's me with the spurs of the spurs are a team of like well they can make the playoffs but when they make the playoffs they're not going to go far okay here's the thing is he had a player that could take them to the finals and there was a clearly some disconnect between him and that player and Kawhi Leonard. Well, if he had I'm, Kawhi Leonard, they would have been a final I'm speaking team. after Kawhi. I'm no, I understand. About Kawhi but, but he Leonard was put days. in a horrible situation mm-hmm. where he could not keep a top five player in the league. We don't know if it's it's if it's his fault, if it's Kawhi's fault, but if he had Kawhi Leonard, they'd be fighting in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he hasn't been able to bounce back from that, and I think it's a very it's tough thing year. to bounce back. Exactly. It's yeah, been very tough years. to... Yeah, I mean, two years if you want to count yeah. the playoff, but fully off the team. Yep. And he's still been able to make the playoffs. Most coaches do not bounce, from that, bounce back from that. Most franchises don't bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. He did that. And if you want to take Greg Popovich off the Spurs and put him on the Bucks, that team would have won the finals. If you want to take him and put him on the fucking Warriors with Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry, I think they probably would have been pretty damn good. If you want to put him on the Jazz, again, same thing. Greg Popovich can do this on any team. He can find these players at any point. He knows what makes good basketball. That's why he's trusted with the nation's team. And yes, I understand you'd be like, oh, they're now seventh uh, in, in 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 the World Cup, but like they're playing with nobodies, and like that team is just absolute trash talent wise. And and this this is the thing where I don't think any of these players care. Yeah. I don't really think that's on pop. Uh, probably a bad time to be on a pop rant and be where they're yeah, now seven losing to Poland. I didn't want to bring up Poland uh, in the seventh place FIBA finish, but but anyways, yeah. uh, uh, Jake, finish this out here, and then we'll move on to some other guys. Yeah, I think Greg Popovich is the number one coach. I don't really think it's debatable. And watching that USA team lose, that was basically the Boston Celtics and Donovan Mitchell, was amazing. And while I shouldn't lose <laughs> against the U.S., I really do because that it was awesome to watch lose. 
And yeah, I mean, he's the number one. I think Steve Kerr's number two. I don't think that's really, in my mind, it's not stable. But it's like, if you take taking Kawhi Leonard off the Spurs is like taking Giannis off the, the Bucks. And do you think that Bud would be able to hold the Bucks to where Popovich just held the Spurs without Giannis? I think we all know the answer is no. Maybe. So that's why I think it's very, I don't know. Hawks? Brooke Lopez, no. Hawks team. I'm just saying. Yeah, but the Hawks, Hawks. had Horford, yeah, Millsap, Corver, yeah. Teague. Yeah, they had a bunch of B-plus players. Yeah, but they, yeah. there's no other B-plus players in that. That Bucks team. I mean, you had Brogdon, well, you had Middleton, Middleton, um, Middleton, and Eric Bledsoe, even Brooke Lopez. Like I, mm. I'm just saying, like it's it's mm. not it's not unthinkable. It, and I know, but I would put my money on Pop doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. when you put your money that you think Bud could make the playoffs of that team, where Pop did it, Pop did it in the West as well. Agreed. Bud doing it in the East, which is completely a different story. But yeah, it's Pop is the number one coach, and I mean, you can try to make an argument, but if you make an argument, you're probably wrong. All right, uh, Ricky, let's move on. You wanted mm-hmm. to talk about Doc Rivers. What's up with Doc? I just feel like we got to give him a little bit of respect and talk about him. And I want to ask you why you have him at two. This isn't an attack thing of, like, how dare yeah. you have him at two. It's just you have him at two. I have him at seven. Dave also has him at seven. So mm-hmm. what in this year changed from Doc going from 11 to two in your ranking? The the reason why I think I, I, I've had more of an appreciation with Doc Rivers, and I think a large part of what happened was him taking away the uh, front office uh, duties of his job and now focus fully on coaching. And I think I was judging him too much of being a bad GM and a decent coach mm-hmm. uh, to now being a full-time coach and showing what he can fully do. That team last year had no rights. And this team of, of the past two years has had no rights to win over 40 games. Yet he's winning 42-40 and 40 and 48-34 and 34 and giving the Warriors trouble in the first round. That's due to Doc Rivers. He's going out there and you know seeing what he has in Lou, Lou Williams. He sees what he has in Montrezl Harrell. He sees what he has in Avika Zubak. He sees what he had in Shea Gilgis and uh, and and Patrick Beverly. He's able to identify the talent, just similar to Pop, what Pop is able to do, and he's able to go out there in the past two years, and they're trading away his best players. They're getting rid of Tobias Harris midseason, and they get better. Like, this yeah, shouldn't happen. Yeah, Blake Griffin. I yeah. mean, how do you get rid of your best player year over year and get better? I think I finally realized that this team, the, the, the Clippers team that had DeAndre Blake and Chris Paul, they probably shouldn't have been as good as they were, and that's the reason why they weren't getting past the conference semifinals with, with that team. And I think it was mainly just due to the talent not meshing. But Blake or Doc Rivers did a fantastic job of making that 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 whole team blend. And you look at Doc Rivers' whole hit list, and he hasn't been under 500 since 2011-2012. He is consistently putting his teams into spots where he can where they can win games, and he's doing a fantastic job. And he's showing that with low level under B plus players consistently for the past two years, and getting them above 500 and putting them into the playoffs. He does a phenomenal job in, year in year out, and I think that. If you give Doc Rivers, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, and this is going into this season, if you give them that, we're going to see how great of a coach that Doc Rivers is. The mm-hmm. reason why that they are for sure going to be the best team in the Western Conference, or at least going to be you know, probably the favorites to come out of the Western Conference this year, is not only because of the Paul, uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard blend, but it's because Doc Rivers is going to make those guys fully reach their potential together because he is such a phenomenal coach. So mm-hmm. I'm taking his past performances in, but I also think this year he's going to fully show that if you give him superstars, he can be a guy that can win the finals. Yeah, I mean, I, the Clippers team this past year is pretty much, and not to get too hoity-toity here, but uh, Aristotle quote, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Like That's exactly what it is. It sums up to a T because on their own, each one of those guys not they're not that great they're not top 10 players in the league not top 20 players in the league you have Lou Williams who's sixth man of the year because he can score on anybody and he doesn't play defense you got Montrose Harrell who becomes a just an absolutely 
beast monster down low in the post. Again, great offensively, pretty good defensively too. And the rest of these pieces just fall in line. Danilo Gallinari, someone who gets no credit for being one of the best uh, big men shooters in the NBA, just incredibly efficient throughout his career, just been you know nagged by injury year after year, really. It just it's impressive to see what he's been able to do with this group. And now that, like you said, now that it's flipped over to a completely new roster and, and just uber talent, uber talented, it, it's just a matter of time. The, this team, if they can't win a championship, I mean that I think that's a knock on Doc. If he doesn't win a ring this year, uh, would, how how far would you drop him down? I think it's dependent on where he ends up. Like mm-hmm. if if he's going to the finals, then well, I I don't think I can drop him that far. And if if they're losing because of him, like. How are they losing? Why are they losing? It's it's taken yeah. in. Like if they're getting bounced in the first round, then it might be on Doc. But you know, if if they're going to the finals and are competitive, then it obviously has to deal with how they're winning, why they lose, and stuff like that. Um, especially being the first year, typically these teams don't do great in their first year or Super win championships. Team. But if if we see year two is able to go out and win the finals, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, Jake, you want to jump in here with Doc Rivers? Yeah. Well, he's not going to win a ring this year because Brett Brown's going to win one. But uh, just talking about the team. Hey, Jake, last who, who are you a fan of? Ring the bell, um, Jake. Ring the Bucks bell. Fan. I'm actually a Bucks fan. Uh, the way that he was able to reinvent that team and using that three guard, like they had, they straight away Tobias Harris and everybody's like, who's going to play the three? And Doc's like, fuck it, we'll put Shamit there. And he was like, he ran Beverly, Shamit, Shea, Gallo, and Zubak and still made the playoffs. Like it just, the way he reinvented that team and the way that they're going to look this year, which how much talent they have, it's going to be, it's going to be scary. And I, I used to be a Doc hater too. I thought that, like, he, I used to say you only want to ring because he had the big three in Boston. And then, Mm-hmm. Last year changed my complete mind about that because they were the one. Remember they were the one seed earlier in the year. Like they were, they were fantastic last year, and they shouldn't. They didn't really have any business being as close to the playoffs or in the playoffs as they were. Mm-hmm. Really, getting rid of his son made him a better coach in all of our <laughs> eyes. I think we can all agree to that. Yeah, well, that unlocked, Jerry West is that unlocked Doc Rivers. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think that Doc is it was underrated just because we were like, oh, he had the talent like Blake and CP3 and DeAndre Jordan. We we're like, he probably should have made the finals with some of those teams. And you look at the year after the uh, Celtics won the f- finals, that team wasn't fully healthy. And we were like, yeah. well, that team, again, probably should have repeated. Um, they didn't. And I think we put too much blame on Doc there. I think Doc has been able to elevate their teams. And that was just the top end for those guys. Because yeah. we see what they're able to do. And Chris Paul isn't able to you know, stay healthy and isn't able to contribute to this Rockets team. And that's the reason why they moved on from him. You look at DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan's now bouncing around team to team here. And you look at, look at Blake, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, obviously the star of that team, but I don't think he would have reached that full potential if he didn't leave Los Angeles. So I, I, I don't think that's fully on Doc. And I think that Doc needed a fresh start, and Doc's doing a f- one hell of a fucking job with that fresh start. So Doc Rivers, I think, deserves to be uh, top five where he is at. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing this year is like what Dave said expectations are high for Doc Rivers. And for me, I I agree with you, Sean. Depends on how they lose. Like if let's say let's say they don't make the finals and they lose to LeBron and um A D in the conference finals. Let's say it's something like that. And, yeah. and I just threw out a team that has the no, other superstar powers yeah, like as it. well. Then you'll kind of look at it and go, well, okay, how much stock do I put in the on Doc? But if it's like 
hey, this team had a catastrophic year. They got upset by like the Kings well, in yeah, the first I'll move round. Them down, but I don't then think that's going to happen. Yeah. Isn't that the whole? I mean, that was the whole I'm point just, that you had. You start off this thing like, oh, we got to. Oh, isn't this we're going into this year? Well, yeah. I think this year they're going to be one fucking hell of a good team. So exactly. if they're not good this year, then I'm going to move them down. Yeah. Like I have no problems with that. But mm-hmm. if, if your whole complaint was about Pop not being, uh, you know, being number one because of what he's done recently, well, you know, I think that he's done one hell of a job, and I think now he's finally got yeah. the talent to move him up. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Jake, you got any problems with any other teams, or you want to uh, throw out a Brett Brown take since you weren't able to in the uh, 11 through 20? <laughs> I don't know if I want to bring up the Brett Brown talk again, but I do. Um, I do want to. Uh, Brad Stevens is. I mean, I'm a I'm a Celtics hater, but and I understand last year wasn't a great year for him. But even look, obviously, you can still look back two years ago when they're in the conference finals with a team that had no business being there. Do you think last year? Like, I think you guys are putting a lot of blame on Brett, Brad Stevens dropping him in your list. Then I think it had to do with Kyrie Irving and how he kind of destroyed the team from the inside. But if you aren't able to control your locker room as a head coach, like, doesn't that show a giant area of weakness, at least? Because, like, Brad Stevens publicly, I, I, I agree with you. Like, he, he ate a lot of blame from the media. Everything that happened with Kyrie completely pointed back to, well, Kyrie's insane, but also Brad Stevens let his team get to this point. And I think that's it, there's a balance there, and I definitely blamed him for some of it. Um, but I think for the most part, it's just the disappointment of, this was a team where obviously we we hope for them to bounce back, and now they're fully loaded. And obviously Gordon Hayward's you know wasn't able to get right because his injury is like a two year recovery period anyway. But the expectations we had for the Celtics, the way they played throughout the season, the lack of teamwork, the lack of camaraderie, really, and they they just looked disappointing in the playoffs. And, and that that's mm-hmm. the final note I've got for them. So it's like, well, Stevens, you're you're a top yeah. ten coach, no doubt, but. Do I like guys like Quinn Snyder, who he went out there, and yes, he lost in the playoffs just the same way, but that's a team where I'm like, that team is downright scary now. Mike Malone, a coach who has a young core, who absolutely looks deadly during the regular season, see if he can put it together this year for the playoffs. Possibly the best center in the league as well. Second best center in the league. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, I'm going to take the bait because you did mention Brett Brown's name. Can I ask, how the hell is Alvin Gentry above Brett Brown? He's not. What has in Bronze fifteen, Gentry seventeen. No, I'm saying on your list you have Alvin Gentry at eleven and Brett Brown. Personal attack. We talked about this back back there. I I think that. Alvin Gentry, at least w- with what he's done, I, I don't think he's had the talent to fully prove that he's been able to make the playoffs like each it. and every single year. Where with Brett Brown, um, I talked about it. I, I had him lower than before when I talked to you. So, I mean, your, your talk obviously had me move him up. But I, I don't think that with Brett Brown compared to Alvin Gentry, if you had Alvin Gentry on the on, on the Sixers, I think that Alvin Gentry would do probably the same job, if not a, a better job, with with with, Brett, uh, with the Sixers roster than uh, you know the Pelicans roster that he currently has. I don't think that Alvin Gentry has consistently been fed the talent that Brett Brown has been, and I don't think we've seen him with as a such a talented team like he had uh, the year before where we went to the second round of the playoffs in the Western Conference or like the Sixers currently are. My final note on this, yeah. and just because you mentioned like you put this coach on this team and yeah. what's their level of success, I think the funniest out of this whole thing is Mike D'Antoni. Like, that guy cannot succeed everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, he is in a situation <laughs> where unless you have the right guard on your team, he's not a good coach. Yeah. Like, he's creative, he's innovative. And so let's give him two good guys. So you give him two. And well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's just it's interesting to see because I respect the shit out of him for what he was able to do, build, innovate, and change the entire style and gameplay of the NBA. But I look at him and I just start laughing. I'm like, I wonder what happens if he like if you try to put him on a team 
with some of these other lineups. Put him like, on the Jazz. How would he work on the Jazz? How would he work on the Spurs? How would how would he do on, on these teams who don't necessarily run right into his wheelhouse yeah. of play style? So. None of the defense, double the offense. Uh, it's just an interesting <laughs> observation. I, I still think he's a top coach, but you know I don't think he can succeed everywhere like some of these other guys you're mentioning. But when he succeeds, you know he succeeds they, so highly. Oh my so god, that's, yeah, that's he's a incredible. Uh, what were you saying, Jake? But did you but did you know that he's a Brett Brown coaching descendant? You know that? Oh, get out of here with that. Jake brought it up. I, I was talking about it, and I was like, I was like, hey, to, to Brett Brown's credit, he's got two guys on this list that come from the Brett Brown tree, uh, going to Monty Williams and Lloyd Pierce. And he's like, no, it's three. And I'm like, who the hell's the third guy? He's like, Mike D'Antoni. And like, D'Antoni coached like 10 games with him uh, as a it was as a three, It was like two and a half months. He was like an associate assistant. Uh, so like, get the fuck Christ. out of here, Jake. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's good, though. Uh, the other guy I want to throw out there, and you mentioned it a little bit, is is uh, Mike Malone. Um Malone, I don't think, is there yet. I, I love what he did and the fact that he's able to use Jokic the way he is and the way that he's able to you know, get this offense flowing like he has been. Um, I think it is great, but he hasn't proven himself enough in the playoffs yet to, to be that high. And even oh. then, I, I think I, was, I wasn't I was even that high on him, and I put him, I put him at eight. I was, um, yeah, I was really high on him. It, but. If, if you want to put Nick Nurse, who won a finals, or, or, or uh, D'Antoni, who, who's obviously mm, had consistent success, yep. you can. But I, I, you know, I, I think that Mike Malone is a guy that could take a jump this year. If, yeah. he, if he is able to get deeper. I don't know if he takes a jump on my list. Uh, Pop fans may not be happy <laughs> when he takes that Christ. jump. Pop should be taking the, <laughs> Pop should be taking the oh jump. Oh, my uh, God. Final thoughts, Ricky. <laughs> I mean, I, I this has probably been the best rankings podcast we've had all year in my mind. I uh, my, my final thoughts is how many years left does Pop have as a top coach? Like, if if this year they miss the playoffs, does that, does that taint? Do you want to hear my troll answer? Zero. <laughs> you think he's done? Because he's not. He's three. Negative one. Wow. Sean uh, and Jake, actually, Jake, if he doesn't make the playoffs with this team this year, we're assuming a healthy DeJounte Murray, you know, 18 guys in that backcourt who can play. Uh, does does this take him off number one? Do you think just the running legacy uh, argument versus Ricky's like, what have you done for me lately? You know? No. He'd stay on number one. I don't think I'd ever move him. I don't think I'd ever move them as well because I, I think if they're not making the playoffs, they're like nine, and there's probably a good reason why they're not. Um, however, if like they absolutely look awful and it's just like they're yeah. completely flat out there, I, I, I would like if, if they're like, you know, 10th or, or I'm sorry, if they're like 12th or 13th in the Western Conference and they look horrible and they're not dealing with major injuries. Yeah, if somebody did maybe, Tanya Harding, uh, yeah, Lamar Saldrick. And, and if Steve Kerr has a phenomenal year, I think that that could be the flip just because you see now losing KD and losing Clay Thompson and mm. this, this team's still this good. I think that has to be a credit to, to Steve Kerr. So maybe, but I, I think it'd have to be crazy scenarios for him to fall. Got it. Uh, those are your final That's thoughts. Uh, Jake, you got any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I just cause I know somebody in the comments is gonna say it. If anybody says that Nick Nurse should be hired, just know that he literally got bailed out and got out coached by Brett Brown in the second round. Yeah. Nick four bounces nurse. Yeah, it's all Yeah. Anyways, uh, shout out Nick Nurse, uh, the the guitar <laughs> legend. Uh, anyways, that's gonna wrap it up for our one through ten. Uh, thank you to Jake for being a patron and being on this podcast. Make sure you tune to the September podcast where Jake won't be dropping due to weather concerns and we'll be giving our hot takes. And that is one hell of a segment. Uh, last year I, I came out the king. Got to try to do it again uh, with my with my Nuggets wait, take. Wait, we were actually keeping score. I just thought I hot takes were supposed what? to be like hot takes. I still. I, Hot yeah. take. You were one the more outlandish, the better. I hit. I hit on twice. You just threw out the the LeBron thing, and technically he was injured. Technically yeah, injured. Well, technically, yes. it was still right. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong, but like the best kind of right is technically. I, I'm. I'm saying like yeah, if exactly. if we're if we're hitting every single mark of it, 
I think I was probably close. Everything on Mark, I said he wouldn't finish top five MVP voting. Like, you want to look over top five MVP voting? Hmm? Was he in there? If he was healthy, would he have been there? Three? Nope. If he was healthy, would he have been there? Uh, oh, my God. I don't know. It depends where they would have finished. Let's continue this pissing contest during hot takes yeah. next time. I can't wait. <laughs> in every other segment. Anyways, <laughs> let us know your thoughts down in one through ten. Uh, stay tuned to the hot takes segment because obviously you can see there's some contentious thoughts coming out of it already. Uh, thank you, Jake, for being a patron. And we want to thank you guys for watching, listening, and commenting. Uh, for Ricky Whitmer, for Dave Oakster, I'm Sean Anderson. I was going to call you Sean Oakster. Uh, for Sean Anderson, uh, this has married. been the Fat P- Fast Break Podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time where Dave and I will be married. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.